We're recording. Yeah, man, man. Do our we're, intros just keep getting worse? I think they do. I don't think so. Oh, I, we have yeah. an upcoming guest. And when I you sent were, her a list, I said, please, God, whatever you do. Well, I said, please do not start with episode one. It takes everyone some time to learn what they're doing. And we still have it. Well, that's uh, probably- hold on. Maybe we need to start doing a new thing every week. Here, let me try this week's. Bonehead. Filmed before a, capt- a captive audience. Don't <laughs> you dare move. Don't you dare move. A captioned audience. Captioned <laughs> Just in there typing. <laughs> there is all, it, and all, all they're typing in front is, of a closed captioned audience. <laughs> all, all they're typing is B-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O. <laughs> oh. No, that spells boo. I actually was going with BL. No, there's probably somebody, probably somebody that's linked to Joe that does that for a while and then ends it with another B, though. <laughs> that, B. No, that would be that'd be me. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Speaking of boobs, what's today's topic? Oh, uh, so we booby have films, booby films. That's right. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. We've got too. Russ Meyer. You thought he was dead, but gentlemen, we've got him back. Oh, God, the fact that I've seen the majority of his catalog is not something I'm proud of. But wouldn't it have been cool to interview Russ Meyer? Oh, God, yeah. Hell, yeah. I would have killed to interview Russ Meyer. Oh, dude. Actually, in all fairness, we'd interview Russ McKayhee. I would interview Russell McKayhee. He actually did one of my favorite of those Resident Evil movies. That's the one. He did the one that went to Vegas, right? Vegas, baby. You're so Now, people are going to want to ask him Highlander questions. Not this guy. We're oh, going no, to I, I, I will ask him one. What's, You're going to tell me about Christopher Lee and Tales from the Mummy or of Mummy or whatever you directed. What does Christopher Lambert smell like? Is it pears? Oh, no. You two would ask him a bunch of questions about the shadow. I know what evil lurks in the hearts of men, Joe. Yeah, it's I boobies. would. It's <laughs> boobies. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, what's today's topic, Chad? So in the previous uh, in past episodes, we've covered two years because those those were so- <laughs> we've been, it, took, it took us three. It took us three. <laughs> we, oh, well, <laughs> in the last one hundred and fifty-two episodes, the Boneheads have covered two years. years. It took them three. An hour yeah, and a half we, to watch sixty smart. minutes. No, so we covered two years in cinema history that were significant to us. And we got the talking and we thought that there was another year that again was significant to us and cinema as a whole. And We've actually be, got two more that we want to do, but we're doing this one. Yeah. Right. So that would be 1994. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a big year for us uh, in terms of, especially me, uh, two of the, two of those movies that inspired me and still are a significant impact on me happened in this year. Uh, we'll cover those when we talk, when we get to that, po- those points, didn't, but it didn't Milo and Otis come out before this. Yes. I think Milo and Otis came out in 89. That's what I thought. So which movies is he talking about? I know. If he gives me one more dime. I know. And every time he brings up boobs, I think of Milo and Otis. (laughs) Every time. Every time. Why? Why does every time I try to have a philosophical conversation with Chad, it's let me tell you about what Milo and Otis would say about it. They're a cat and a dog, Chad. They got nothing to do with this. Yes, they do. It was narrated by Dudley Moore. And let's all face it. He is the poor man's Peter Cook. Now, I prefer Homer's joke for three people out there. Like I said, and, I prefer, and two of them are mad about it. <laughs> if one of them's on the show, keep going, Jeff. I prefer Homer Bound. And then wasn't like a lot of Milo's killed in that movie? <laughs> huh? Wasn't there a lot of Milo's and they all died? I might be mistaken that with another movie. I don't know. What? Don't ruin that. That's one of the. That, that, 
movie's a national treasure. I might need to. I'm gonna look that up in the middle. But no, so, <laughs> by the way, no. Now in the middle of my mind, I just think, where should I bo- put this box full of Milo stunt doubles? I don't know. <laughs> put it over near the lawnmower. <laughs> Why did they do that, Chad? <gasps> but in the past, in the previous past two episodes. Uh, we're going to do what we normally did. James is going to go through the box office for each week. The uh, National of, United States theatrical releases. Yeah, of 1994. Um, to, to, Wait, and we're going to talk I'm about so those movies. United States? Why did I bring up Botswana? Hold on, I'll fix it. Well, that's, I mean, you were down there for a year, you and Wally, trying to find work as lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. There ain't no work for Botswana and lumberjacks. I know Wally probably doesn't even watch this anymore, but that's for no. you. They don't. Well, they don't have any flannel down there, so yeah, the lumberjack occupation is just down the toilet. So, all right. No, so, but uh, but in but in the pre, but we're gonna do something a little different this time around because 1994 was significant for me in terms of I was a I was generally watching usually those that came straight to VHS or had a limited release and would not be on the list that James compiled. So I actually did research for 1994 and came up with quite an interesting list of my own that I'm going to interject in as James goes forward. Really quick, let's all say where we were at in 19. So were, were we all in high school? Let's see, you, you were a freshman, Chad. I was probably a sophomore, junior in high school. For the life of him, he cannot remember. Uh, we were all three in high school. Well, I uh, thought that he was wise and would never compromise. I think you he was but a freshman. You graduated in ninety eight, right? Uh yeah. and I was in eighth grade slash high school. Okay. So high school. I was in high school. Uh James, you were in that in James is in the same joke. James is the exact it. same age in, as me. I was in senior high school. Actually, I'm a Highlander, Chad. I, I know I look like this, but I'm actually only actually 40. James is, is, is reverse slightly Highlander. older than you, right? By a month. That's more like two. Oh, uh, look at the whippersnapper yelling at me. Get off my lawn, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, boys. But before that we one get month the movies, made all the difference. Let's. Uh, did you? Uh, did you? Uh, I, I did look up briefly what all happened in 1994, and it's kind of interesting. I didn't realize all this happened in 1994. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan was attacked. Yeah. Bill Clinton was accused of sexual harassment. Yeah. As he was wont to do during his presidency. As he was wont to do. Uh, O.J. Simpson was arrested. I remember that. Of, of Nicole Brown Simpson and uh, Ron Goldman. Kurt he Cobain. ruined Hasselhoff's career. Yes. What? David Hasselhoff's national premiere in the United States for his concert was the same night that O.J. was on the road. Oh, well, if the New York Knicks were playing as well, and I'm, I, uh, we're getting into some history. All I cared about was the New York Knicks. I was a big fan of Charles Oakley and Patrick Ewing, and I couldn't watch the God blessed game because they kept cutting to Al Cowling driving that stupid Bronco, and uh, I couldn't watch that game. And it was a pretty. Also, sim- you're also uh, forgetting that violent wildfires destroyed 286,000 acres in Montana in 1994. But thankfully, we have no wildfires now. You were saying, say, Chad? What you're, uh, but uh, not uh, Kurt Cobain died. Uh, very when? tragically. In 1994. Is it tragically when he... I guess, yeah, it is tragic. Sorry. It's tragic. But um, also, too, here's all the other people we lost in 1994. Burt Lancaster. Yeah. Even, more, even more tragic than Kurt Cobain, we lost John Candy. 
Ooh, I didn't realize John Candy died in 94. He died in 94. Jessica Tandy. Yeah, she's a national treasure. Richard Nixon. Also a, and, also a uh, national. And for James, Cab Calloway died. Oh, yeah. no, Cab Calloway. Let me tell you a story, Chad, about many of them. Out of all those, I think John Candy's probably the one who still is talking John about Candy was the, was, was John Candy's death was the most impact on me. Yeah, I, in terms of his Jessica death. Tandy was a phenomenal actress, but her name just doesn't come up the same as John Candy's. No. Well, I was going to say, by the way, other though, other things happened in pop culture though that were really big at the time was the uh, daughter of the king of rock and roll married the king of pop. Oh, that happened! In, I didn't know that happened. Lisa I didn't Marie have that Presley. in my, my list. Yep, Lisa meet Marie Presley marries. Michael what was Jackson. going on? What was in the water in 1994? I don't know, but Brian Adams was one of the uh, uh, year's most popular musicians. So, yeah. well, oh my get, God, music in '94 sucked then. Let me talk about some of the top songs from 1991, oh. 1994. Uh, I swear by All for One. Awful. I'll make love to you by Boys to Men. In front is that, of is, he, is that a song or an offer, <laughs> or are you, are are you like, like man? We've already been down this road. It? We've already been down this road. Neither of us were fulfilled. We're not going back down that road. <laughs> what road? Uh, by Coolio, Fantastic Voyage. Right. Oh, no. I don't even know it. Uh, really? I, you probably have ride, to play Ride, ride, slippity slide. Oh, oh, that's called Fantastic Voyage? Yes. You know, when people say Fantastic Voyage to me, I, oddly enough, think of a movie where someone goes into someone else's body. Is that Irvin Allen directed that? That is Irvin Allen's I thought Fantastic so. Voyage. Um, and, and another significant, uh, in terms of music for me, uh, Basket Case by Green Day was released in 1994. Once again, when someone says Basket Case to me, <laughs> I think of that thing that's growing on your shoulder, Chad. Yeah. Um, uh, from the album Dookie. Ah. Uh, the Sign by Ace of Bass. I saw that. And, <laughs> and, and I, I put this one on here specifically for James. The Crash Test Dummies. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Once there was this boy. Oh boy. <laughs> um, uh, you you left out blind melons, no rain. I did because I want to talk about the crash I test dummies. If he's pretty, I gotta be honest. Out of all those songs, blind blind rain or melon, <laughs> <laughs> blind melon jelly and no rain is what I still listen to. I want up. my daddy's records. Once again, there's a joke for you. Well, Mr. hold on. Kevin hold on, Joe. In 1994, I'm sure there were still some people listening to Hold On Loosely, so we can add that. How about but Phil don't Collins? Let go. Phil Collins had a few hits that year, too, as did Sting. Jesus isn't going to be a two parter, isn't it? Because yeah. we haven't even got to the movie let's, yet. It's so not let's, even uh, January. With that being said, I, let's get. Hold on, hold on. One more music reference. You didn't mention Erasure? Oh, I love Erasure. <laughs> I know. Erasure uh, was. I actually huge. ordered Erasure's greatest hits the other day off of eBay. It just got That's here. That's a thing. Hold on, hold on. It is. is it There's two, three songs on it. I'm saying, is it two? Is it and two And then he left the one of them off. <laughs> Boys, we only got four hit songs, but let's make Joe mad and leave them off. They really did leave the one in the '90s off, I, and I was pissed driving because I only listened. I went. I was going to teach and was by myself with the windows down down richmond road i can imagine who's the fat redneck listening to erasure in the pickup truck uh nobody knew what they were 
Are you guys ready? Yeah. Are you uh, going before, to start? Bef uh, well, before, James, before you get into January 1, uh, there were two movies that I should mention that actually I couldn't find the actual date that they were released in January. He just said January 1994. Um, the Floundering. Never heard of it. Uh, in this scathing and subversive social comedy, life in post-right Los Angeles is dissected under the sardonic eye of John Boys. Um, it stars, and the, the, I kind of want to see this just for, for the cast. John Cusack, Jeremy yep. Pivens, Steve Buscemi, and Billy Bob Thornton. Never heard of it. Never heard of it either until I did my research. And then uh, L.A. Wars. When the war you, on the streets becomes personal, no one Are you one sure it's safe. not... Are you sure it's not La Wars? It's going to be a foreign film. <laughs> Based on the description, no. Because uh, Guzman, a small-time drug lord, takes on Giovanni, the biggest mafia boss in L.A., igniting a war. James, oh, go. Go, James. What's the first so, weekend? So January, I can shite on it. It's actually it, this actually premiered on a Saturday. It actually came out the Saturday after, which is weird. But they wanted to have a January first release date. I refer, of course, to the film Desert Winds. No idea. Yep. Starring Heather Graham's and Michael A. Nichols, directed and written. There's by only Michael one a. Heather Nichols. Graham. <laughs> huh? You said Heather Graham's. Now this is this. She's possessive <laughs> of this. No, Desert Winds. <laughs> Here's actually the plot. Only Graham's James knows are the. Um, is it is it just them in the Sahara? No, this, it's, it's actually the crack. I only know Graham crackers actually. Um, anyway, uh, here's the plot. I just wanted to read the plot. Jackie and Eugene are joined by a mystical wind tunnel, which enables them to speak across a 500 mile desert. Believed by the Indians to be an omen of good luck, the wind inspires both characters to face their fears and follow their hearts. I've never seen it. it. Happened to me once. You were on peyote. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the there first... wasn't a wind tunnel either. It was just a really big fan. <laughs> I'm a really big fan. Uh, so the, the the first weekend is January 7th, the first actual Friday. And we get your all-time favorite Kevin Bacon comedy, The Air Up There. Oh, God, that's a horrible movie. Oh, American man. Cyborg, Steel Warrior. Do you all, can I just talk about the air up there? Hold on, I've if only got one more. feel the need for some okay. reason. I've only got one more. Cabin Boy. Oh my God, know, Cabin Boy. You may know as David Letterman's best starring role. Would you like to buy a monkey? Guys, can we go on record and say the Cabin Boy is not a good movie? No, I won't go on record as saying that. I find Cabin Boy I've, entertaining. I've seen not. way worse. I've seen way worse, Joe. Did the I first 30 old... minutes of that are passable, and the last two acts are dreadful. Did I, I doubt old... in my mind it's these pipes in the last 10 years. These pipes are clean is one of the best lines in cinema history. And I, I now, now once again, Joe, and I texted you all about this. Now that I've seen Roller Gator, there is no more. There is no, there is no movies. There is only Zool. <laughs> Roller I, Gator hurt me in ways that I will not recover from. But I got it. But uh, I do want to go back onto the air up there because that is one of those damn movies. My brothers, uh, I have two brothers who all they watched were low budget action films and sports movies so i had to watch the air up there on loop and let me tell you it never got good it never got entertaining not once 
So there you go. That's my that's my uh, critique of the air up there, starring Kevin Bacon. Trying to think of a good thing to say about Cabin Boy. Maybe the art direction, maybe production design on that. It's might be beautiful. It. The art design is beautiful. That might be it. Okay, hey, Joe. Good, good, good <laughs> feedback on that one, buddy. I know that's it. I don't, I don't get. I maybe I have changed if I watched it. By the way, do you know it. what was the number one at the box office? By the way, none of those. The air, I'm sure it's something left over from Christmas. Oh, it has to be Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. There you go. It's yeah. number one. Yeah, All it right. would be. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Saw that in the theater, Miss Cabin Boy. Um, premiering after that, um, January twelfth to get a good win. This because you got to get ahead. You got the crowds are going to wait for this, so you got to launch this one on Wednesday, January twelfth. You get House Party three. I've Man. never seen it. I've seen play. all of them, get and it play. just it just goes like this, just like this. Mm. And, and and to our podcast listeners, I am going down. It just went down. It was never. Chad goes down a lot. Yeah. By the way, by the way, Chad, just as an FYI, the box office total of the air up there was twenty million dollars. Wow! House Party That's Three, a modest hit. House Party Three was nineteen. They're wow. this close. Damn, yeah. I wouldn't House Party. No what I didn't know what my House Party Three made that much money. Neither did I. I thought it kind of bombed, honestly. There would be new line making the you know they didn't pay more than two or three million for that picture. So, so what else you got that week, James? So yeah. you got the Wednesday premiere, and you, if you had some shekels left over after seeing your house party three, <laughs> you had the option on Friday of seeing I just love you as the word shekels. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you had the option of seeing body snatchers. Death Wish 5, The Face of Death, <laughs> Iron Will, Ooh. or where the, wiver, where, where, the wiver, where the Rivers Flow North. I don't know the, the last one at all. Neither do I. By the way, Iron Will's the, a Disney movie. And Iron Will was the only one that made, uh, made money. The rest of those had box offices of $2 million or less. Iron Will did make $20 million during its entire run. And uh, what, what was the first two again? Iron Will and what was Body the Body Snatchers? Body Snatchers is is not a good movie, but it's an interesting foray into that. I, is that Donald Sutherland? That no, no, that's Invasion of the Body. The Body Snatchers is the one with the, the girl from uh, uh, Father of the Bride. It's the one directed by April Farrar. This would have been the third of the Body Snatcher movies. There was there was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, then the remake with Sutherland, and then this one. It made half a million dollars. Order. It was. It did not do well. Yeah, they just. Kind I thought Donald Sutherland was in this one as well. I thought he had a cameo, and it was a. Ah, I forgot her name. He's in Puppet Masters, but I don't remember him. Puppet being Masters, in. Joe. Thank you. I got confused. Yeah, he's in Puppet Masters. Do you um, know what? Uh, what was the number one at the box office this weekend? Mrs. Doubtfire. No. What? A movie that premiered on Christmas, so it's not on the list anywhere else, but went on to win some awards. Philadelphia. Oh. oh. It would be. Uh, this is Doubtfire made me way too happy. I'm going to go into this picture. This well, is actually, where... this is the trivia about this. Philadelphia, so Mrs. Doubtfire ran into January, and then kids went back to school, and adults started taking back over the cinemas, and Philadelphia reached number one during its first weekend of wide release, but it had already been released. And then it remained number one, but it barely beat Mrs. Doubtfire for the next weekend, which will be the weekend I talk about next, with by Wait, only thirty-two thousand dollars. Oh wow! It was one of the closest they had. Yes. 
so we got to talk about two movies during that 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 week this week that we're on right now that james didn't fail to mention uh unfortunately chain of command starring michael dudikoff i know michael dudikoff and i know what you do with the chain of command when Meryl Ross is thought to be a CIA agent gone bad and teaming you have with some, to read the I do. Why? Some other alphabet named agency to take over the oil-rich company of Queemer. He's found himself in the middle of a very explosive situation. Well, yeah, then, I quiver when I explode. And and yes, I have to read the description because some of these are damn near hilarious. Like my next pick. Yeah. January fifteenth, Dark Tide, starring Chris Sarandon. An expedition to study poisonous snakes turns into a deadly love triangle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would. Have you, Chris Sarandon, we were, we were, hold on, real quick, I got to tell a story for everybody because Chad was there and Chad remembers this. We, this is before we were bonehead. This is before we were in front of the audience. This is when we were just lowly, lowly convention going folk. We went to get our posters signed by Lisa Marie. Lisa Marie was very nice but kept staring at another actor in the room. Chad, yes. who was she staring longingly at? That would be Chris Sarandon. And by God, him and Sa- he was good looking. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm straight, but Chris Sarandon at 70 is still hot as balls. He ages well. Well, damn. So does his sister, better. though. Yeah, she does. Susan does. They're, they both look at that's not his sister. It's not? No, that's his ex-wife, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> damn. Now I know why. Now she got, they had sex. He transferred his essence <laughs> to Susan's chest. Now, in all I fairness, that, that in all fairness. Yes, they were married. She's never could, changed her name back. It could, it, it could be both. We could make this a terrible thing. Let's just go ahead and get sued. Uh, anyway, by the way, can I reenact that plot? So it's a, they go to investigate poisonous snakes and into a no 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 poisonous sea snakes James that's very oh, specific so I can't just do the I love you cobra but I also love rattlesnakes mm. <laughs> for you all up. asking at home I'm 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 having a drink of bourbon. Okay, no, so no one no one cares about your whatever. No one cares about the plot of sea snakes. I disagree, sir. <laughs> No one. And, uh, Only that people would be that care side. about sea snakes are Chris Sarandon. He didn't give two shits. He cashed that check and said, let me get back over here and look at this portrait of Chris Sarandon Gray. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm uh, getting literary, bitch. All right, James, what do you got next? January 21st, we'll see the release of only two films, The November Men and Intersection. <laughs> only one that makes any money out of those two. The November Men... The theatrical take on that is less than $2 million. However, Intersection makes $20 million. Is Intersection on the one with Richard Gere? That's a good question, Joe. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, well, I, is that the one with Lolita Davidovich and, Davidovich and Sharon Stone and Richard Gere, and he's trying to decide which one he wants to live with? He ends yes. up dying. Spoiler yes. alert. Yes, absolutely. While driving on a remote highway, a man is torn between choosing to reunite with his exchange wife or taking or up the with the new redhead or taking up with his lovers. Yeah, yeah. Spo- so, spoiler alert, he picks the lovers and still dies. We have four movies that James has uh, are you, are you still going James? No, there's only two that got okay. the actual releases that we get. By the way, But I had seen that one. I don't know what the lead of Martin Landau in it, which I would mm-hmm. hope would be one of his love interests. 
It wasn't. <laughs> but Chris Sarandon was. <laughs> so, uh, January 16th. He slept with his sister. <laughs> We're getting sued. We're getting sued. <laughs> so, January 16th, Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, was released. Hmm. Um, on January 19th, Future Shock. You read the plot for Street Fighter 2. I don't I need call to. bullshit. I don't need to. You do. Uh, j- because people... they weren't fighting at all. It was about a chess contest on a bridge. <laughs> was it even on the street? We played uh, bridge. You lost. Future Stock, starring Bill Paxson. It's a horror anthology about a psychiatrist who uses virtual reality to probe the minds of three unsuspecting patients. Never seen it. SFW. <laughs> well, I'm I've heard of SFW, but I've never yeah, seen I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Steven Dorff. Joe's favorite actor, Reese yep. Witherspoon and Jake Busey. It's about an eight. It's about an alienated teenager who gets held hostage. I've actually seen this movie. It's not bad. That's uh, not what it's, it's about. It's, it's, no, no, no. It's about ninety minutes long. That's yeah. What it is. Uh, but it's it, and it's about just he he just doesn't give a crap and he starts ranting on TV about you know just not caring about anything. And then finally on January twenty first, Hellbound, starring Chuck Norris. <laughs> Two Chicago cops investigate a murder until they encounter an ancient demon. Mm. Well, now I'm curious. And <laughs> I hold on. Place. When I had the pleasure of talking to Chuck Norris, Hellbound did not come up. Uh, well, that was your failure, sir. Yeah. Was it? There's there's four people in the audience that were sitting there going, "Well, surely he's going to ask a Hellbound question." I, I will tell. This is a true story. He did look at. He said, "Who asked about Golden Globus?" I did. <laughs> <laughs> That, that came from me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, James. What do you got next for next the next week? I've got now, I've got I've got one. If I've got two, if you don't bring, if well, you don't bring no, no. We so January twenty sixth. We got a couple Wednesday releases. We've got Blink, which makes oh. sixteen million, almost seventeen million dollars. God, I hate that. What was the Madeline Stowe plays a blind woman. Oh, I think I kind of remember that. We also have the foreign film Troy Colors Blanc. Uh, which was a French film. Yeah. Uh, there's three of them, Blanc being white. Uh, yeah. Then there's a film that I know Chad is just going to be dying to talk about. Of course. I'm going to go ahead and say it. We end January with a film that somehow the Academy Awards missed, Car 54. <laughs> Where are you? We have to talk about Did Car 54. Did it actually 54. go theatrically? Yes. Yeah. 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 It, 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 now, somehow, somehow. The only movie people, to star assume, John C. McGinley and Buster Poindexter. I assume there must have been snow seven feet deep that kept people in their homes because it only made, during its entire theatrical release, $1,238,000. How did yeah. that movie get made? I d- well, man, that, that is yes. a, that is I blame, an interesting question. I blame Nick at night because I remember none of those Nick people it. are horrible on their own. In fact, David Johansson, who I was making fun of by calling Buster, that was he did sing under Buster Poindexter. David yeah. Johansson had a bit of a movie career there for about what do you think about eight years, eight ten years? Yeah, off and on. As, as yeah, yeah, I mean, he's in Free Jack. He's in that. He's Scrooged, in, but he's great in Scrooge. He's oh, actually yeah. really fantastic in a movie we've talked about on here before. With Richard Dreyfuss called Let It Ride. He's really good in that. That's a movie that no one remembers. By the way, the same week, I should say, you know what came back to be number one in the box office? Still nothing made this year. Mrs. Doubtfire roars back in uh, to take the weekend ending January 30th to be the number one film. During its 10th week in release, a big insult to Car 54. Where are you? 
Okay. So, uh, James, uh, James disappoints me on this one. Why? Because he says we end the month with car 54. Where are you? And that's incorrect. Uh, but first, before we talk about the movie, that what direct to video abortion are you going to talk about now? You're going to regret saying that. It ridiculous. Uh, now, now, so real quick, real quick, if it's Red Rock West, then it did have a theatrical release that came out, and it's listed as a to be determined during January. So, nope, we talked about that for our Nick Cage thing. Yep. it did get a th- January theatrical release, but it was so small. It- wasn't listed anyway. Listen, I'm just not I'm not gonna read the description of this one. It's pretty self-explanatory. On January twenty-eighth, Whore Two came out. Now I I, I, I never I'm got going, to see the first one, Chad. I'm so I didn't know the a plot. serious question. Whore starred and I'm trying to remember her name. I just watched a movie with her and Gary Busey of all people the other day. I can't remember her name. And I can't remember her name. But Whore Two is not the same. I, I, I'm, it's not I'm the blanking. same lady. It's not the same lady. It's 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 a direct. It's 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 a uh, the it's troll. Carrie Russell. The Whore started started Carrie Russell. Yeah, uh, uh, Teresa Whore, Russell. Teresa, Teresa Russell. Russell. Uh, Whore yeah. Two is the trolls two of the horror universe. <laughs> is it really? Well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you got me. So, uh, no, and then this is the one James is going to regret saying that comment. January 31st, James, Silence of the Hams. Oh, that's, but that, what that was, <laughs> was that released in the U.S.? Uh, it says the U.S. release was January 31st. I think it went straight to VHS. On By January the way, 31st. and this is a true story, and I know Joe always makes fun of me for enjoying Silence of the Hams. I make fun of actually you for many doing, things. Why would you just pick that one? They're, they're actually doing, or they did, I guess, a 25th anniversary retrospective. It was released in Italy, but you can buy it in America. You can get it on Amazon. Book that has interviews with the cast taken at the time. And I want it just because I want to read what Dom DeLuise said and what John Aston said. <laughs> oh, that'd be yeah. cool. And so, but, and I guess overseas, it's getting a huge 25th anniversary Blu-ray release. Was it a I hit overseas? I think it did pretty good business in Italy because that's Ezio Greggio, uh-huh. uh, who directed, wrote it, and stars as... You should get him Tony on the show. Oh, man, I would love to, because he did a bunch of movies for a while. People forget he worked with uh, Mel Brooks. He and Mel Brooks did a movie together, yeah. They did Screw Loose. They did a couple together, actually. Oh, did they? Yeah, and he has a cameo in Silence of the Hands, of course, yeah. where he comes out of the hotel with the knife in his back. But so does Joe Dante and John Carpenter. I know, and I, that's, that. I mean, who did it? Who did it? It was the Gimp. He gets up and he limps. He limps off. Yeah. 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 John Carpenter. Uh, such a great film. So I I had to put that in there, James, because I know that wouldn't be on your list. What's next? All right. We're going into February. We're going into February. So far. We are only one month down, 11 months to go. No wonder it took us three years to do two years on this show. (laughs) Uh, February 1st, we do have one Wednesday release. It's called Naked. Oh, I've seen Naked. Yeah, it's a black comedy. James, we have two releases on January, February 1st, but you go ahead about Naked. No, I mean, you want to talk about naked? <laughs> Na- well, naked. I I can't remember the the British actor's name. Uh, it's uh, it it's kind of a self study. It's not bad if you get a chance to watch it. I'll. That, I'm really sad that I can't remember his name. I apologize. I could. Google oh, it's a uh, David. Uh, David. Uh, David Thewlis. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah. All right. What's yeah. yours, Jed? So on February first, also Samurai Cowboy was released. I got to read this in description. A Japanese man who always wanted to be a cowboy arrives in Montana. 
and teams up with an African-American singer, a bullied Native American, a cute veterinarian, and an old cowboy to save a ranch. <laughs> so did these people sue the piss out of Jackie Chan? <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm asking for a friend. I don't know. For Shanghai Night, you mean? Or Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Noon. Yeah, yeah Shanghai Nights when they go to England and they fight Jack the Ripper in one scene for yeah. no reason. I've actually I never seen them. those two pictures. Oh, man. I, I've seen I scenes, enjoy them. I've never seen I enjoy them because you turn your brain off and just have fun with it, and it's they're fine. Um, February 4th, that Friday, though, is when we get – the big release that surprised everybody and made money when it wasn't supposed to. But I'm going to start from the bottom. I'm going to go least money earning to most. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. The lowest earning movie over its entire theatrical run that is released this weekend is Romeo is Bleeding. Oh, really? Yes. That's it, a fun movie. That is. It made 3275000 at the box office. What made more money barely than Romeo is Bleeding? Chad, get ready to explode because it's gunmen. Oh, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Do you, either one of you have a copy of that? No. Why would I own gunmen? It's inter- I love it, though. <laughs> because you love it. I, I know Deep Rising sucks, but I love it. I own they, a copy. They find, I even I, went and bought that Criterion thing of it. I couldn't find it. I think it's been discontinued, but it was on streaming for a long time on Amazon Prime. I need Prime to go back then, and watch gunmen because I don't know that I actually remember it. Man, it is an entertaining film. But okay, you, so I mean, so Gunman was the uh, was the second. So during its next run, what what made more than Gunman coming in at ten million dollars was I'll do anything. Oh, that's the one uh, with Nick uh, Nicholas uh, Nick. Uh, it's directed by Albert Brooks. It was it was a bomb. It turned it was a huge movie that didn't do well. Nick, yeah, because uh, uh, it got buried by. Um, Oh, uh, the, the movie that everybody thought would completely suck, but directed by James L. Brooks. James, L., I, yeah, I said James L. Brooks. It was his and uh, Nick Nolte, Albert Brooks, Whitney Wright. Nick Nolte. It's the yeah. cast. I uh, think Spire it was originally Man. supposed to be a musical, and I can't remember what changed. It, it, it's it, that one. Uh, that one's got a hit. Interesting history. If you ever get a chance to Google it. Sorry that I can't recant it here. Um, We're not. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. You read me the fucking description of Samurai Jack. Keep going. No, he didn't. No, uh, didn't. Making over $25 million is our next film, My Father the Hero. Oh, God. Oh, was Gerard Depardieu. And Catherine Heigl, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to put her in the same category as Stephen Dorff for me. I, I'm right. I wouldn't go that far. But because uh, Stephen Dorff actually has made some interesting movies. Yeah. The, I'll wrap it up with the movie that was number one and was 1994's first film to actually rank in the number one at the box office. Yeah, it was Catherine Heigl. Boom. I don't know how I pulled that out of my head. Uh, but the number one film that shouldn't have beat any of these films, according to critics initially, they did not see this coming. I refer to, of course, Ace Ventura. May I pet Detective? Detective. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. That's that's the best part about Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, is Jim Carrey was on in Living Color. This was his it was it was at the end. This was literally a grab to to, to keep his career going. And then all of a sudden this massive hit came out about a pet detective and the dark humor and the twist. I mean, everything about that movie. 
I'm sorry. That movie should be considered a classic just because of what it, of what it, it just came out of nowhere. I think it should. Yes. Uh, I'm going on record. I, I still don't find it fun. Well, I haven't watched it in years. I actually enjoyed the sequel to it more. I see. I'm, I, I like the sequel. But I don't I care. For, I don't, I don't care for it, which is funny. Cause I thought like Jim Carrey, but I never found it funny. I, in fact, I, I, I was one of the ones who was like, I don't get this. I don't understand. But, uh, but the same director went on to do the Nutty Professor remake in a couple of years. And honestly, as much as people love Jerry Smith, uh, Jerry Smith, Jerry Lewis, I actually slightly prefer the, the, the Eddie Murphy version. I prefer the Eddie Murphy version as well. But um, Jerry Lewis was a genius, but keep going. No, um, one other movie that James didn't mention that came out that week. And I, I personally uh, like this movie. Now, is uh, this direct video? No, it was it. Uh, it got a it got a a small release in the, in oh, the United States. It didn't get it didn't get big. It was it was one of those ones that was trying to get you know for awards. Yeah. Um, directed by John Sales, The Secret of Rowan Inish, mm. which is it's if you haven't seen the movie, um, it's a great movie. It's a basically about a a little girl living with her grandparents in a fishing village. Yeah. Um, and then, and then this, uh, there's some mysterious secrets start coming out. It's really good. It's really entertaining. And John Sales is one of those directors. He, he, he can't go wrong. So, uh, hey, it's 60, 40, uh, but when it's good, it's great. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Completely yeah. agree. So James, what about next week? The next week? So Ace Ventura, number one at the box office. We get to February 11th. Nobody does any Wednesday releases. They don't want to be buried under Ace Ventura, but we get, I'll start with the lowest earning. Into Thin Air, which literally bombed completely at the box office, according to the data that I have. And I'd never heard of Into Thin Air. Um, if, have you all heard of Into is Thin it about, Air? Is it about mountain climbing? No. There's 14 films that have that title. I had to look up which one this was. Yeah. Here's the plot. It was directed and written and stars Derek Frey. No idea. No idea. A young man is brutally beaten and left for dead by three hoodlums. Horribly scarred, he is nursed back to health by a mysterious hooded individual who reveals a powerful scientific discovery. He has found a way to become invisible. Unable to face his friends and family, he ingests the formula to seek revenge against those responsible, spiraling deeper into a world of deception, betrayal, and murder. I have never heard of this picture. No, I haven't either, but I was like, "Mm." I mean, if if, if I catch it on TV, I'll give it a shot. Sounds interesting, but it was a complete, utter, didn't make any money. Um, followed up by that was the getaway. Oh, yeah. the the Kim Basinger, uh, Alec Baldwin oh, remake. Yep, that made in its entire theatrical release fifteen million five hundred forty-five thousand. Yeah, that is beat out slightly by the the earnings of We Can't Resurrect Macaulay Culkin. That's right, my girl too. <laughs> Good lord. What's the big winner this weekend? And it still doesn't reach number one. Blank check. Oh, really? Another Blank Disney check. film? Yeah. Blank man. check is buried by Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura maintains the top spot that weekend. I don't think you I've know, ever the, seen Blank Check. And there actually was a classic movie that got a U.S. release um, on this month, uh, on this week that, again, just kind of came and went. Um, the Legend of Drunken Master came out on February yep. 10th, starring Jackie Chan. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, he, he basically plays a young martial artist who's uh, skilled in the art of getting drunk and becoming a, a, an insane fighter. Uh, if you haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? Check it out. 
it's a good you movie. Know, I actually, I think I've only ever seen scenes in it. I don't know that I've ever seen the whole movie. Oh, really? No, I've I actually seen. So. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Jackie Chan, so I actually have seen it. Um, it's it's worth a watch and it's good. Um, also, that week there was a movie called The Stone Age, The Stoned Age, that came out about two stoners. I'm not going into the plot about that one because it's not worth mentioning. But it got released on February. But 7th. Traffic Samurai Cop was. <laughs> oh my God, I would watch Traffic Samurai Cop. Yeah. Right now. He's in the Old West, and he's wondering, where are the cars? Keep going, James. Sword. Anyway, yes, James um, is making hand movements for you listeners. Uh, February 18th, again, no no midweek releases this week. We get, in order of how much money they made over the lifetime, Reality Bites, which is a okay. cult classic in its own right, Yeah, um, makes $20 million during its entire run. Blue Chips makes $22 million its entire run. Anybody want to sum up Blue Chips? I actually like Blue Chips. It's another Nick Nolte movie. It's directed by William Freakin. I actually uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. And it actually, I think it, it, it's one of those that deals with, uh, it deals with college basketball and whether they should or shouldn't get paid. I mean, that's, that's a very quick plot, but a, but a coach, an old coach, basically kind of sells out to the boosters and they start giving out to be able to recruit. Am I, did I miss anything? No, that's about no. it. Yeah, I mean, it's it. directed by William Freakin, and I actually like Blue Chip. But it also goes into the whole thing about, uh, you know, students who can't really, you know, do the work. And the, going and playing basketball. And then it's them, been a them, long time since I've seen it. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those, um, I'm not a huge sports movie person. So, um, that one I kind of <clears> like. So um, I'm going to disagree with Joe because I wasn't a big fan of this. The, the, one, the one scene that's, um, that's memorable to me about Blue Chips is the very end. He gets uh, he gets up there and does a press conference and just goes at it. Yeah, it was funny is, is this is the one that I find unbelievable <laughs> because yeah. I've, yeah, I've never seen it happen yeah. in actual sports. Yeah, but he, sports. He, uh, Nick Nolte's delivery of those lines is powerful. And if I'm not mistaken, the reporter is the great Ed O'Neill. I think Ed O'Neill, yeah, is a reporter. Shaquille O'Neal is also in that movie. I don't, so, I can't remember. Is that Shaq's first movie? I think it is. That is Shaq's first movie, and and his uh, teammate for the Orlando Magic. Um, penny anthony hardaway was yeah i yeah i I gotta disagree with chad on this one it's it's funny he's he's good on he's good in that i think that's the unbelievable part of it the rest of the movie's pretty believable could be because i went to i went to high school with a with an up-and-coming college star that went ended up in the pro league and i actually watched a lot of that so you know people did get cars yeah um Uh, the number oh no go for it go for it I was going to say the other movie that came out and it was the top movie and actually knocked Ace Ventura out. And I know when I say this, Chad's going to go on a 30 minute diatribe about his love of this movie on deadly ground. I do not know. No, 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 no. no. Oh, Billy Bob's in that one. Oh my God. I hate that movie. On deadly ground, knocked out Ace Ventura uh, and went on to make uh, 38 million. At the yeah, I mean, office. Steven Seagal right there in the early 90s, man. I mean, there's about a three-year period where he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, and and what I mean by that is he's a horrible actor, but his movies were successful. That was yeah, the one with Michael Caine. That's the one directed by him with Michael Caine in it, right? Yes. Yes. And yeah. uh, there's also the, the – Michael Caine's pretty bad in that. Yeah, and there's one scene um, – I just hate it. That I might be it. the it's, Michael Caine whoring out that Carl Gottlieb talked in a previous episode. Yes. Oh, um, man, you're right. I, by the way, I don't remember this film because I never was a fan in any way of, of uh, Mr. Seagal. Sorry, Mr. Seagal. I'm sure you don't care. I like Under but Siege. Steven I like Under Seagal, Siege. 
Michael Caine, John C. McGinley, yep, Arlie yep. Army, Billy Bob Thornton, Richard Hamilton. Yep. I mean, it's got a, it's got a huge cast, and it's directed by Steven Seagal. Yeah, and there's one there's one scene in the movie that I still hate to this day. It's just one. It there's there's certain scenes in movies that literally just make me cringe in terms of how terrible they are. And On Deadly Ground has one of them. I still I remember vividly. So Mike Starr, a great character actor, look him up. If you look him up, you'll go, oh, it's that guy. Um, he is a bully in a bar. He's picking on some uh, Inuits. Um, and Steven Seagal, of course, comes in, the big white men, to save uh, the Inuits. And he proceeds to uh, challenge Mike Starr to a slap fest, a slap fight. And of course, Steven Seagal, so fast. He ends up smacking him all over the place, bleeding his nose. And then he gives like one of these awful speeches about how Mike Starr needs to, you know, look at people and uh, recognize their, their, their capabilities and not be, not, not be filled with hate coming from Steven Seagal. Absolutely annoying. I hate that scene with a passion. By the way, I I just have to say this. I, I just looked the movie up, and under soundtracks, it says Inuit throat singing performed by, I'm going to mispronounce these names, I apologize, Quinnock, Mikigak, and Timagak Padaluse. And all I can think is, if nothing else, credit to this movie for actually including native singing. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, mean, say what got, you will. He, 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 he got a little bit more from, of that than he did Fire Down Below. But he even had, he even had, bluegrass music in that as well i don't remember Chad. um no uh but february 16th legend of the red baron starring everybody's favorite mickey rooney and toby mcguire snoopy sure the red baron returns in a toy plane to kill the former world war one ace that shot him down i prefer snoopy so there you go remember that time snoopy got shot down but it was christmas and then christmas bell saved him Remember you that? remember that time he got shot down on the other side in the French, blah, 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 and had to get back through and something yeah. about pumpkin? Yeah, I tell you, that's, that's some that's good times. Anyway, right. February 25th, On Deadly Ground got to number one. Well, February Wait, 25th. Wait, February 25th? It's the next weekend. I did February okay. 18th. Okay, gotcha. So, I think I know what came out February 25th. I think I saw it opening weekend. I'm, I'm curious because there's only two on the list. Unless you saw something, does in one, one of have those. vampires in it? You get eight seconds. Oh, no, that one shit. had a lot of vampires in it. <laughs> Tons Lord. of, especially them, them, Buck and Broncos. Uh, Sugar Hill. Oh, okay. I got the wrong year. Go ahead. Um, also, February twenty first, James. I've actually seen eight seconds. Uh, the Dark Knight of this franchise, Ski School Two, came out. <laughs> have you actually seen Ski School Two? I have not seen Ski School One. <laughs> Oh, I would love to have Cameron, what's his name, on the show, he, but he has yet to return my calls. Um, so, by the way, I know you're thinking eight seconds. By the way, uh, Sugar Hill made $18 million. Eight seconds made $21 million during its run. Mm-hmm. None of those films hit number one. Ace Ventura came roaring back and retook uh, that weekend and became the number one film. Matter of fact, Ace Ventura uh that weekend came in making uh six million dollars that weekend in its fourth weekend release you know what i do with six million dollars spend it yeah some of it put some of it back yeah rainy day fun yeah Yeah. oh yeah 
Um, so we, we get past uh, eight. So we get into March. We're into March now. March, we do have one Wednesday release. And according to my data, it did not make enough to even chart how much it brought in. The Western Silent Tongue. Never heard of it. Never okay. heard of it. All right, we'll get to March 4th then. Here's the films that came out March 4th. I will again start with the lowest earner and move up. And uh, James, I have the lowest earner. You don't. Oh, oh well, uh, okay. Cut to Chad um, with some sort of Billy Goat out back. I don't know why. Uh, like he's running the Kentucky Derby, folks. <laughs> Go ahead, five James. movies that are released on March 4th. Six. The one, that earns, the one that earns the least is China Moon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, China Moon, and then, hold on, it's, it's close, Sirens. Okay, that's uh, with L. McPherson. Yeah, directed by John Dugan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, The Chase. Oh, with Charlie Sheen. And Christy Swanson. Yeah, that's that's the whip. That, that movie should be called a whip pan. You know, and Henry Rollins is really good in that movie. You're going to use the word really good? I barely remember it, but it's it's this. It's whip pan. It's it's just yes, cutting it's back a lot of forth. Yeah, it's just whip pan, whip pan. That is all pan, it is. Pan. That's that's all it is. It makes and, you nauseous. Yeah. And, what, and the thing I remember most about that movie is that's the one he got in trouble with talking about later in Playboy, if anybody remembers about it, he wished he'd jammed Christy Swanson. And by jammed, he meant sex. There was, oh, oh did he? I didn't. I, I didn't pick up on that, Joe. Thank you for clarifying. I just it, wanted our listeners who probably are sitting there holding their Gideon Bibles are not familiar with fornication. <laughs> no, no. Actually, in my mind, I picture an old woman knitting, going, "Oh, I bet, I bet that young Mister Sheen did make some high quality raspberry jam. It, it was tasty on some pumpernickel." <laughs> yeah, if I remember that movie right, and I probably don't, because that movie is a piece of crap, but. There was that scene where he they literally have sex, and she's on top of him while he's, while driving, he's driving at high speeds. Yeah. Oh God! It's I so had a friend do that, but not at high speeds. Yeah, oh, it's just yeah, that's, unrealistic. That's just, um, he got away, Sean got away with it, so I mean, it can happen. Uh, but I don't think yeah. he's doing eighty miles an hour. No, exactly. No. Um, the next film making nine million dollars in its entire run, Angie. Oh, with uh, 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 Gina Davis. Uh, actually, uh, that has a young Tony Soprano in it as her person who knocked her up, right? I, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I've never seen Angie. I, I didn't look it up because I was like, well, they'll know what it is. I don't know. I yeah, don't... that's what it is. Um, it is. She, and the she doesn't one... want to marry the guy that she's dating who's got her pregnant. She ends up having an affair with the crying game. I can't and, think of the guy's name. The lead actor in the cry game. The great Irish actor. I can't think of his name. I'm so sorry. But she has sex. She ends up having an affair with the crying game. Uh, thank you for that, Joe. Um, he, he's always in Neil Jordan movies, which is also the director of the crying game. Keep going. Um, and the number one movie this weekend, uh, or the one that goes on to make the most money that came out this weekend, is Greedy. Man, <laughs> I Michael love J. Greedy. I love Greedy. It's an okay movie. Yeah, that's the one where he. It does have that great ending where he gets up and walks away. Yeah, I just I love that Kurt movie. Dunham. Everything about it. It's it's. Yeah. If you haven't seen Greedy, Joe's going to shit on it or tell me that I don't have blah blah blah. But it's. I just said movie. it was okay. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, the, one of the best scenes ever is uh, in the movie is when Michael J. Fox and Phil Hartman get into a fight, like a fist fight. I don't remember it. Oh, it's great. 
but no no but yeah the ending i just remember kurt douglas the ending's a great uh it, it, it is a not only is it a great ensemble cast of ed begley jr phil hartman michael j fox kirk douglas uh the list goes on uh, yeah. nancy travis i believe is in that probably i could be wrong but if you haven't seen it check it out greedy's great uh it does not however manage to take number one because ace venture and its final swing still brings in five million dollars so weekend. so it had it was number one a week then it got knocked out and then it came back for two weeks at number one ace venture was number one for two weeks the weekends ending in february 6th and february 13th then on deadly ground came in and steven seagal smacked jim carrey but then jim carrey roared back for two more weeks so right, just because everybody realized on deadly ground was a piece of shit and said why'd we waste our money on this let's go watch yeah. jim, jim but carrey the final week the weekend ending march 6th five million that uh, five million ninety five thousand ace ventura still holds on as number one that weekend so uh so james was wrong about uh the lowest earning uh making 49 sorry making $49,000 <laughs> on March 4th apex <laughs> uh and I have a I really obscure joke but keep going it is a it is a it is a straight rip off of terminator uh post apocalyptic war torn 2073 a scientist from another timeline must help a resistance group start stop an army of instructable apex terminators um and risk actually erasing himself is there anybody famous in it no richard okay. keats who played uh oh dick, dick keats. <laughs> starring no one and nothing starring uh, dick keats dick, dick, yeah, dick, dick, dick keats i had to mention apex so uh james what do you got for the next week because i've got a next few week we do get two wednesday releases Ooh. and they're pretty big ones yes one was not a big hit the other one was both of them are pretty good movies four weddings and a funeral yeah mm -hmm. and the ref yeah i love the ref and if yeah. you've never seen the ref go watch the ref that's yeah it should have never been released in the middle of march yeah it's a christmas movie yeah that is a little odd i did not know that that was released in the middle of march if, for people don't know that's dennis leary that's oh we he who we shall not name his name kevin spacey yeah and i'm blanking on the female's actress's name who's, who's yeah who's i know very talented in her own right i don't remember her name either but man it's good judy davis Jude. yes thank you i have a hard time though now that i've learned more and more in the last couple of years about dennis larry i keep i, I is this going to be your bill burr rant no no, I want to leave it alone. But yeah, Bill, there is some funny You're stuff. You talking about Bill Hicks? It's yeah, Bill Hicks. He did steal some stuff from Bill Hicks, but Bill Hicks wasn't the only one. Yeah. So what else you got that week, James? Oh, that's so that's the Wednesday releases. Now the Friday releases, uh, and once again, Chad's gonna go crazy. But I'll start with the lowest earning that came out on Friday, the Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody it, still talks about it. I don't know why. No one still talks about it. It's hard. It's hard. It's a hard movie. It's beautiful. It's very well made. But it's... It, is it one of the more odder of the Coen Brother films, you think? Honestly, I think it kind of is. I mean, I don't know how they got Paul Newman in the first place. I've got, it, I'm uh, always kind of curious how they got Paul Newman. Okay, so honest opinion. You know, Sam Raimi directed Second Unit on that movie. Too. Yeah. In terms of weird Coen Brother films, which one do you think is weirder? 
Hudsucker Proxy or Barton Fink? Hudsucker. Because Barton Fink has got a lot more humor in it. At least a lot more. It's kind of, <laughs> whereas, uh, that, it's funny, but it's him holding a circle, and I don't think people get it. You know, for the kids. Yeah, for the kids. But that's not a, ha, 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 Whereas I think there are some of those in Barton Fink. You're right. Well, I agree, and I agree Fink. with you. Barton I just Fink has those two mag, magnanimous, mag, I can never say the word. It's just two, two really great performances from John Candy and John Turturro. Yeah, and, and but, you know, those are – And they just terms, kind of jump off the screen. John Candy has that great – it's a great role. So, yeah, and in terms of non – just the storytelling being off, you know, just not straight storytelling, those are their two big ones, I think. And I was kind of, But I agree with you. Uh, that Hudsucker Proxy is by far probably the weirdest Coen Brothers film that's ever it, made. And it, it was one of their more most expensive. Actually, people, that's, that was produced by Joel Silver. Yep. Uh, by and the it's way, beautiful too. Yep. You you said John oh, Candy. You, you you said John Candy for Barton Fink. Did you? Oh, I'm John sorry. Goodman? I meant to say yeah, yeah, yeah. John Turturro. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I didn't even catch it. I didn't even catch it. John Goodman. John Goodman. I was gonna I'm jump sorry. in, and I was like, wait a second. That'd have been an interesting Barton Fink. I got to be honest with you. I would have watched it. He went down uh, the whole. He went down the whole uh, McHale's Navy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, John Turturro and uh, John Goodman. I apologize. Oh uh, yeah, Barton Fink. So Hudsucker Proxy, by the way, during its entire theatrical release, makes fourteen million. I think Sam's one of the writers on that too. Fourteen million nine hundred thousand. That made fourteen million. Hudsucker, yes, uh, during Holy its entire shit. run. During I its entire not, run. I did not know it made that much money. I'm kind of shocked too. I think that movie cost like thirty, forty million too. And I thought it was in limited release. I never even thought it went wide. Um, and you're right. By the way, Sam Raimi is credited as an author on. Uh, the the next film though that made more money than Hudsucker Proxy, which probably puts your Hudsucker Proxy not doing well in perspective, one of the best performances by the uh, the artist of our time, Paul Hogan's Lightning Jack. Jack, hell yes, that movie made, is not good. <laughs> made sixteen million eight hundred twenty one thousand. I saw it at the old Trail Theater, which no longer exists, and now I believe is apartments. Uh, yeah, I was driving by there this when we were coming back through because they've locked off part of the street so people can eat outside. <laughs> so you can't I, you can't make a time. left there. I don't know if you've seen that, James. You can't. I appreciate what they were doing, but it, it kind of bum puzzled me for a second when I wanted to turn and there were people there eating food at tables in the street. Uh, yeah. But back to Lightning Jack, do they have that? Is Cuba, right? Cuba, good. Yeah, it's Cuba. Yeah. yeah, he plays a mute. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen all of it. I did. I saw it in theaters. It was back at, when I was younger, we got to see basically one movie a, summer, a year in theaters. And then that year, that was the one you picked, show. huh? Well, like, well, no, my parents would be like, ah, I can't be too bad. It's you rolled Paul some Hogan dice and said, I got a good feeling. It, it's, it's got Paul Hogan and it. it can't be that bad. So that's what I saw. Um, so y'all ready for the number one movie that also took over number one from, oh, Latin, from Ace Ventura? Yeah, I can't wait. It Once again, how can you beat Paul Hogan? Well, you're going to need somebody epic. And that epic person is going to be Nicolas Cage because he's guarding Tess. <laughs> oh, so, we talked about this the other day yeah it has yeah. one of the strangest third acts for a comedy well and you yeah. know that's uh you know so i gotta tell this week uh i've been introducing my wife to, to some new movies from that era 
that she never seen. I sold, I showed her guarding Tess and I'm like, I'm going to warn you. This movie has a weird dark turn that you don't see coming. <laughs> it is. It's a strange third. Yeah, act. It is a strange third. And then all of a sudden, and, I, I, and she even said, she was just worried. Why did they go this way? <laughs> because it was like, it was just, it's about a man protecting an old woman. Yep. And you think it's, it's okay. And then all of a sudden it goes insanely dark. So yeah, it's just, I would like to have been the, the writer, seen the writers of that movie. And just where, where did that come from? I don't know. But that was number one. Yep. Went to number one. I, oh, that's the one, number one for one week. Uh, and that particular weekend, I can tell you how much it made because there wasn't a lot of competition. Guarding test premiered with 7 million at the box office. Oh, Wow. That's a lot um, of money if you hit it all here in fives. And it went on to make $27 million total during its entire theatrical. So it made quite a bit of that that first week. Uh, useless trivia, by the way, about guarding Tess. Um, uh, George Clooney actually was going to be in the film. He recorded and he auditioned for and recorded one line for the film. It got cut. <laughs> nice. He was on ER at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's in trivia about the film. It talks about George Clooney could have appeared in the film, but they cut the line. And that would have made my six degrees of separation not easier at all. I can do that with anything, so it doesn't matter. You know, um, what, uh, you know what movie failed to reach the top box office that week? It didn't make my list, so what is it, Chad? One Man Army, starring kickboxing champ Jerry Trimble. No idea. I don't, I've never seen you, it. Everything you just said is just oblivion to me. <laughs> I have no clue. There wasn't any of those words. Boxing with kicks. Jerry Siegel. I don't know. All right. James. You ready to hit next, the next week? James, this next week, man, I'm going to warn you again. It's not going to be on your list, and you're going to be disappointed that it wasn't. That's all right. I'll get, I'll get through my list pretty quickly because we're picking up steam. Some of these movies are starting to make money. We're not seeing three or $4 million box office anymore. We're up to $16 million during theatrical Oh, run. Lord. Come on, James. First, Blow our minds. The first film going to make some cash this week is going to be a little gem called Monkey Trouble. Oh, God. <laughs> that's another Disney movie, right? Uh, that's actually produced by Ridley Scott, and a lot of people liked that movie when it came out. It was really, oh, pop- it was really well received by critics. I don't ever remember seeing it, actually. I don't remember seeing it either. Uh, well, it did not make number one, obviously, because it has to compete against no, The I Paper. Ah, mm. that's a good one. That is a good movie. Yeah, the Paper, by the way, did go on to make $46 million theatrical, uh, which was pretty good based on its budget. Evidently. And that is another per- a case of a perfect ensemble cast. That is a perfect un- – that's, bef- that's, that's Randy Quaid pre-bat shit. Yeah. Directed, playing, b- directed playing by Little Opie Cunningham. Little yeah. Opie Cunningham. But it's Randy Quaid pre-bat shit playing a bat shit at person. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean uh, – You've got Spalding Gray, you've got Jason Alexander, you got Glenn Coase, you got Robert Duvall, you got Michael Keaton, you got. Marissa I love Tomei. the fact you led with Spalding fucking Gray. He, yeah, but why wouldn't you? <laughs> it's not I like don't I started. Know. It's not like I started with Lynn. He's Thigpen. in two scenes. It doesn't he play the guy who who was trying to hire him and lure Michael Keaton away from the local paper? To I, the think right. I think you're right. I think that's, right. he's in two scenes in that. Spalding Gray later went on to commit suicide. There you go. I, it's not like I led with Lynn Thigpen, though, who is great in it. Here, so, uh, um, that's, go ahead. 
So that's so that's it beat Monkey Trouble, but it can't beat the final film on the list, which did premiere at number one, and of course is the only film that went to thirty three and the thirds. Naked Gun thirty three and third. <laughs> the final insult comes in at number one in the box office this weekend, bringing in during this weekend. Thirteen million dollars, and will go on to make fifty-one million dollars. I, I, I meant to look up the timeline on this because, if I'm not mistaken, Naked Gun thirty-three and a third came out. It was number one, and then the following week he gets arrested. O.J. Simpson, I'm referring to. If I'm not uh, mistaken, it'd be close. I don't know. I, I was actually just going to talk about the movie itself. It was big news when Leslie Nielsen came out and said he thought he was guilty. Um, yeah, I. That actually, there's some Why great scenes that, in that movie. Well, um, I'm a huge Zaz fan. I love David Zucker, Jerry Zucker, Jim Abrams. Uh, just so anybody knows, that's where those a lot of those come from. I love the Naked Gun. I love Police Squad. That actually, uh, that however, that is one of those that feels like that's the third movie. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah, yeah. I don't know that the second one feels like it's the second one as much as the third one feels like it's the third. The third one felt. The third one really felt. The, like the third it. act, by the time they get to the Oscars, is a little. Uh, yeah, that that the, the Oscars part just it kind honestly, of slows down. It killed it for me because I don't think anything in the Oscars part's funny other than him being mistaken for Phil Donahue. <laughs> Continuously, which is kind of funny. That that's the best part about. But yeah, no, um, that it, is. It's not a bad movie. It just it's it's one of those that actually feels like the third. Yeah, uh, to to just bounce off that yeah it's not a bad film but it does feel like a lot of the times they're struggling to find they joke uh that's also the one that's not directed by david zucker it's, right uh, they brought in uh, what's his face and went on to direct like the longest yard and a couple of the remake yeah, yeah. all uh, right james so that's that that's that weekend that's the big ones what did i miss jed what gems did you unearth that don't make the national listings james i would love to hear you talk about your love of the movie that came out on March 17th, Time Chasers. Oh, man, Time Chasers. <laughs> See, Chad, if you're going to build a time machine, build it in a terrible, terrible single-engine prop plane, and then make sure that you work for a company called Evil Co. It's not really, but that's what they call it on Mystery Science Theater. Because it's blatantly an evil corporation. There's no way you're going to think this corporation's not evil. I can't tell if you're actually dissing this movie or talking about the amazingness of it. It is. No, it, it, I give them credit because oddly enough, Rift Tracks re-riffed it and they actually invited the cast to come back and the cast, I give them credit because they, they made their vision. They managed to pull it off. They got a, 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 a release for this. Somebody picked this up and, and, and it made a little bit of money. It made back what it cost to make, which is all they really thought it would do. So, as far as a cool And if you're not little, familiar with the film business, when you break even, yeah. you've done well. But it is, I mean, it, it obviously is a very, very low-budget film about a guy that travels through time. And I'll just borrow the line from the from Mystery Science 3000. They jump to the future, and basically everybody's just on cell phones and dressed in bright neon colors. And it's, yeah. it's obviously filmed in a mall food court. Like, it is. But that being said, I give them credit. I will not... It's, it's, it's not a good movie, but they managed to pull something off that I've never been able to pull off and get somebody to say, yeah, we'll buy that off of you and release. It. So there you Your go. pants. I believe the budget for that movie might've been 150,000 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Something like that. And yeah. I mean, and most of that probably went to insurance on that plane because they do fly that flipping plane through time. 
All right, next weekend. Is that the only one, Chad? That, that, That's the only I guess one. It, it probably floored all the competition, and they went, no, 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 let's avoid that time chaser. We can't. There is a Wednesday release that is historically significant that I need to mention. Um, just because of who all it stars, and that's Above the Rim. Yeah. It okay. is released on Wednesday, and Above the Rim, for those that don't know, stars the late Tupac Shakur as a drug dealer, uh, and it's about a high school basketball star that gets mixed up with him. Uh, Actually, I've never seen it. Have you all? It, uh, I saw it a long time. I do not remember anything about it. It is directed and written, or co-written, by Jeff Pollock. So I just wanted to make sure I brought it up. Uh, he and Jeff Pollock passed away in 2013 as well. Uh, he was also known as the writer for uh, this kid that got mixed up and turned upside down, had to move to Bel Air. Um, and he also uh, was part of the crew that worked on the film Monster. So I just wanted to give the director a little bit of credit, but he's passed away now. It actually went on to make 16 million. It did premiere on a Wednesday. Uh, the reason it premiered on Wednesday was they they didn't want to have to compete with what came out on Friday, which came out without competition right and it's the second film in an ongoing universe that allegedly we're going to see a fourth film refer return to because the universe is is populated by these powerful figures i refer to of course d2 the mighty ducks <laughs> i'm imagining that was a hit it made 45 million now it, uh, on the yeah. weekend of its release it was number one it made 10 million its opening weekend Chad, uh, Chad sent me a message forever. <laughs> Keep going, James. That's it. That's the only movie that came out that weekend, and it did All go right. to number one. Um, so, uh, do you want to mention that two movies came out that week? So, yeah. I, by the way, that was another one of those movies that I was forced to watch and never enjoyed one single moment of Mighty Ducks. Did you prefer it when they made the animated series where they were actual ducks? Yes. Skated. I do. In matter of fact, no, actually, to be to be completely honest, I do enjoy the first Mighty Ducks movie with Emilio Estevez. I think it's I, – I, I find it enjoyable, but every sequel – That's directed yes. by Stephen Brill, right? Stephen Brill did, did that. He did uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja. He was a talented director. Yeah, who didn't get I think that. he actually directed that Merlin that I really liked, the two-parter. Uh, with Sam Neill, right? Sam Neill. Yeah, he's a talented guy. Yeah, uh, who he doesn't get some, the credit? He made, some, he made some shit out of Shinola. And um, I would rather we went to June is your answer yeah. to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can do that. Um, so always. Um, there are two movies that got released. Uh, one I, I briefly want to mention, I'm not going to go into the plot of it, but Dinosaur Island came out March 3rd, 23rd, directed by Fred Olin Ray and a former guest of our show, Jim Wynorski. Yeah. Um, and and March press in it. Yes. And uh, March 24th. Did you know that from seeing it or just by who was involved, Joe? Who was involved, but I've seen still, I've, I've seen some stills of the movie. <laughs> Googling, Googling, Googling some talent on that picture. Keep going. Yeah. And March 24th, uh, guys, I think, I don't know if you'll remember this one, but this one, this one movie, I don't remember it being good, but it did spark a lot of controversy um, in 1994. The movie Priest. Uh... He's and I'm confused with a much more recent film named Priest. I can't remember if it was because he was having sex or it was because he was a homosexual. The latter. Okay. Uh, it's a homosexual Catholic priest finds out during confessional that a young girl is being sexually abused by her father and has to decide how to deal with both that secret and his own. Okay. Um, that I, movie, I don't remember it, actually. I, don't, I'm, I may have seen it, but I don't remember seeing it. 
Yeah, it obviously didn't get a lot of play because of how controversial it was. But it came out in 1994, and for a brief moment there, a lot of people were very upset. Yeah, it was a big to-do. It was, yeah, so um, that, that needed to be mentioned because it doesn't show up on any box office list. So I wanted to bring that one up. James, let's go to the next week. And I've got a lot on this week. Oh, well, March 30th does have a little bit of a crowded box office. There's four that they recorded nationally. So I don't know what else you've got. But the one that had the lowest recorded earnings over its lifetime box office, it probably deserves a little bit of a mention. It's called Kronos. Another Kronos movie? Yep, Kronos, nineteen ninety-four. There. Um, okay. Is this the Gilmel del Toro Kronos? I don't think that came out in ninety-four. I thought that came out in ninety-one, ninety-two. Uh, it actually came out in ninety-three, but it got released in uh, uh, America in. 94. So this is the Guillermo del Toro Kronos. Okay. The, oh, I thought it movie. actually came out earlier than that. I remember so, yeah. seeing it as a kid on video. I didn't see it. Well, it, it may be that they gave it a limited theatrical release because it only lists as making uh, 597000 during its entire run. Yeah. yeah it yeah, probably it didn't cost away. a hell of a lot more than that, actually. Uh, but it's a, it's a great movie. People yeah. It's, seen it. it's an interesting picture. It's a, it's he, a, considering he's a first-time filmmaker, it's, a, it's really good. The second highest grossing following Kronos is, of course, the epic film Jimmy Hollywood. <laughs> i'm only ever i don't know that i've actually ever made it through it i i have i don't remember anything about it not one of barry levinson's finer films i it's can tell joe you that Pesci, much. right yes joe, joe Pesci, Pesci, christian slater victoria abril etc etc i didn't realize that was directed by barry levinson yeah yep. written and directed by mm. yes uh so there's not much to say i guess about johnny hollywood but the next one is a film that was uh, released by Fox Animation, and uh, I, uh, my kids own because my mom get, got it for him. Thumbelina. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Which is that has, directed by Don or um, I forgot. It's not directed name. by Don Bluth. It's not okay. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, it's got a pretty interesting voice cast. I mean, it's got some some mm. decent voice casting to it. Uh, let's see. It is Joe to answer your question. It's directed by. Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Oh, I, I stand corrected. I am sorry. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it. Don Bluth also gave us Rockadoodles or Rackadoodle or whatever it's called. I took my sister to see Rockadoodle in the theater. Oddly enough, do you know the Disney connection to of why um, some people say, and now that Fox is owned by Disney, some people say Thumbelina should be retroactively made a Disney film? I don't know. It originally started out as a Tinkerbell movie. Uh, it's because it's based on or the voice talent. Jody Benson voices Thumbelina. Anybody know who Jody Benson is? No. She's Ariel. Oh. Uh, she did. This I should have known that. I just watched that documentary. She did this. Uh, about the guy that did the music the other day on uh, Disney Plus. But it's got a great cat. I mean, you've got June Foray, who's Rocky. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got Kenneth Mars. You got ah Kenny Mars. You got Charo. You've got Gilbert Godfrey. You've got I mean the voice talent in that movie is not bad. It doesn't live up to Disney, and I'm not knocking Don Bluth. I love a lot of Don Bluth films. This doesn't feel like it's necessarily one of his best, but it is pretty well liked in some areas. It made 11 million at the box office, but it could not stand up to the film that would knock it out and become the number one for the weekend. There's no way. Go ahead. And I refer, of course, to the epic film. Major League Two. Oh, <laughs> Major League Two. The came one out. that the almost the one he wouldn't come back for, right? Um, 
Oh my God! Did you ever just forget an actor's name? Who's Blade? Tom Tom Berenger. Who's Blade? Wesley Snipes. Oh, well, Wesley Snipes Sly- Sly- wouldn't Wesley do the sequel. Yeah, yeah. I remember Charlie Sheen talking shit about him in an interview. He's going to meet, miss a huge success. Come to think about it, it kind of sound like Trump. Anyway, go ahead. It did go on to make $30 million. Yeah. It did premiere at number one at the box office, and its opening weekend, it did make $7 million. So not a huge number, but it did okay. But that's it. That's that's all that came out that weekend. Major League was the premiere film the week, that week. Okay, so uh... – I'm going to hold off on what what I thought was on your was supposed to be on that list because I got some conflicting information. So I want to see if it comes up. Um, let's go down this list, and there's some interesting ones on this one. Uh, March 29th, Class of 1992, The Substitute, <laughs> starring Sasha Mitchell. Um, March 30th, Ring of Steel, starring Joe Don Baker. Never seen it. <laughs> it is it is about it is a movie about an underground fencing relationship. <laughs> competition with and joe don yeah now i can believe him as a sheriff i can believe him as a private detective but when you're like no no he's a fencing champion you're gonna lose me we're Guys. doing this chess movie we've got joe don <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm serious checkers you, movie joe don <laughs> yeah yeah while i'm going down this list i really uh, listen check out ringo still it is ridiculously stupid um the gods must be funny in China. That did not get released in the United States, but I just wanted to mention it. Okay. Because uh, what people don't realize is the gods must be crazy. It was very popular overseas. And they and made it, a sequel. It, they Joe, made a it, bunch of sequels. It made a bunch of sequels, just not all yeah, of them. I, the, the, I only know the gods must Isn't be Isn't there one sequel. that involved vampires, Chad? I'm not making yes, that up, right? I think you're There's right. One where and he fights vampires. This one is part five. Woo. I need to go. Are they good? Uh, I don't know. Did uh, I mention I, he fights vampires? Joe? There's the another. There's like another. Uh, now this isn't connected, but have you guys ever seen the Man from Snowy River? So yeah. those were huge, and that was a had spawned a sequel. And I never bothered to watch it till a year or two ago, and I still couldn't wrap my mind other than Kirk Douglas is in it. Why is this so popular? Uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, I don't. But no, um, the Gods Must Be Crazy is on one of our streaming services, so I am going to check it out at some point because I don't remember anything about it other than watching it as a kid and being very confused. Anyway, um, but also I do want to mention Muriel's Wedding got released on March 31st okay. in, in limited release. Uh, if you haven't seen Muriel's Wedding, it's worth a, worth a check out. Now, this one did not get a U.S. release, guys, but I found it and we have to talk about it. March 29th in France... I don't have the French version, but translated into English, the tit and the moon. Hmm. Please let me read the description. I've got a uh, needle and a spoon. It's weirder than what you think. A child cannot stand the idea of having a new brother and dreams about drinking milk from the breast of his mother again. The child asked the moon to bring him a teat only for him. That's just, I mean, that's greedy. I did that once. Everybody (laughs) said, listen, first of all, this is called work. We're at the workplace. Second of all, what the fuck? (laughs) You just made me say fuck at the workplace, Joe. Guys, I got. And then Joe screamed out M-O-O-N. That spells spells your teat. (laughs) After you look up Ring of Steel. Look up images of the tit and the moon. 
Okay. It's disturbing. There's a, literally a little kid who the breast, the milk is shooting the, out the breast and he's catching it midair. Check it out. I see in my mind, I want it to be like the scene from UHF where you get to drink from the water fire hose. It's time to drink from the fire hose. And then it knocks the kid. <laughs> so James, what do you got for the next week, man? Okay, so we are now into April. And April 1st, it's the first weekend in April where we get some pretty major releases. Uh, it's, uh, so we get The House of the Spirits. Anybody remember The House of the Spirits? No, sir. I do not remember The House of the Spirits. It's only two hours no. and 20 minutes long. Oh, directed by Billy August. And it stars Jeremy Irons, Meryl Streep, and Maria, Maria uh, Conchita Alonso. Yeah. Here's the plot. I don't know how y'all forgot this one. A rancher, his clairvoyant wife, and their family face turbulent turbulent years in South Africa or South America, I'm sorry. That's that's what it's about. Huh. Um, one would. <laughs> and so by the way, that film is the one that I start with the ones that are in the least. That made during its entire theatrical run, even with Jeremy Irons and Meryl Streep, only made six million dollars. It was beat this weekend by a film that during its entire theatrical run would make 7347000 And it's Joe's favorite film that got released in April of 1994, starring Martin Short, <laughs> Clifford. Can I talk and, about... You know, I've talked shit about the movie, but I've never actually seen it. Can I, so I, can I, I watched it. I, I rented it when it came, when it came out on, on video, which probably was... December of 1994, and I just remember my dad watching it going, kill him. Just flip and kill the kid. You'll be out of prison before he would have turned 18. So It's probably not as bad as people say it is. Is that what you want to say, Chad? No. So, uh, so background story. Clifford's one of those movies from, 19, from the 1990s that I was dying to see. I saw the trailer. I'm a big Martin Short fan. I'm, a Char- I'm not joking. Charles Grodin fan. I'm like, I got to go to the theater and see this movie. I was so excited, and I missed. You're it. the only kid who said, "God, Charles Gordon, Charles Gordon Charles got the number one movie this weekend." I love Beethoven and Midnight Run, man. You can't go wrong with Charles Gordon. But um, I love Midnight Run, no. uh, it's great. But um, I was dying, to, and I missed it at the theater. And then it finally came out on VHS. I was there the that that day that it got released on VHS. I sit down in front of the TV and watched it, and I just hated myself. <laughs> That had nothing, nothing to do with Clifford. Don't yeah, you no. hang that on that doorbell? Yeah, it was the teenage. It was my teenage years. I was pretty miserable, and I I went to movies to escape how miserable I was. And Clifford just made me realize how miserable I was. Well, is it really that bad, man? I were just, I never laughed. It wasn't funny. And then the whole thing is it's building up to like this. If I if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, it's building up to the release. They're opening a theme park, Disney esque theme park. And for dinosaurs on, he's obsessed huh? with dinosaurs it's a dino world it's a yeah it's a dino world and with he goes dinosaurs. on this roller coaster and it is the lowest budgeted piece of crap roller coaster that you've ever seen he in a talks movie. about it in his well martin short talks about it in his autobiography a little. it's directed by paul, paul flattery mm. um, who is a second city fame for our yeah, he, he's there. the brother joe oh i'm so sorry but yeah. but he's a writer for Second City, I think. Yes, I believe he was. Yeah. Do you, do you yeah. know how problematic this film was to get released? By the way, do you know any of this background on this? No, I don't. It was filmed in 1990, 
and Orion wanted to make it, and Orion went into bankruptcy, and it took them four years to get straightened enough up uh, enough out to where they could get the rights to release it back. Yeah. The funny part about this was um, when they were when they were planning it, the story goes that they actually met with the uh, one of the directors of photography. And he said, okay, so who's in the film? The script looks interesting. Who's in the film? And he goes, well, we're going to have the kid played by Martin Short. And the director of photography says, you're messing with me. Went all the way to the head of a ride and said, you cannot make, be serious about making Martin Short the, the kid in this film. And the director, Paul Flattery, and Orion, the head of Orion Pictures just screamed back at him, oh, yes, we are. <laughs> the director of photography went, I'm getting paid. And that's, but uh, when it finally got released, when they got the rights to it, they had Martin Short come back in. And the, the so spoiler, if you've not seen it, the clips of him as, a, as an older reformed priest that are at the beginning, at the end, those were what were filmed in 1993 to book in it. They had him come back in to refilm those. But the rest of the film was actually shot in 1990. I didn't know it that. It took four years to release. So just useless trivia about how troubled Clifford was. And, but and Clifford... Clifford was out of the movies released that weekend, the big one. Just FYI, though, Clifford did not get to be the number one movie because knocking back out Major League Two, D2, the Mighty Ducks, came back in and Damn. retook the number one spot, making $5,513,000 5, that weekend. So um, there was a few movies that were released that week. Uh, there's one that's significant that that's not on James's list. Uh, so Dragon Ball Z to Dragon Ball Z Broly Second Coming was released in the U.S. Finally, um, threesome. Uh, it's a it's a popular independent film that a lot of people saw. When we yeah, were it's together. got one of the Baldwin's in it. Yes, uh, Stephen Baldwin. Uh, yeah, um, I bet you have. Foss. I've seen it. I've never been able to participate. <laughs> I'm sorry. Faust uh, came out April seventh. Yeah. Um, and then April 8th, gentlemen, a classic in cinema, Leprechaun 2 was Back. released. Leprechaun Actually, that's two. on April 8th. That's on my next list because that's I'm at April 1st. Oh, my bad. Continue. Chad slipped ahead. He had he to get to his threesome. Um, okay, so April 8th, as Chad said, but that's actually – Leprechaun 2 was not the worst movie that came out that weekend as far as what making What was the worst money. movie? The one that earned the least amount was the film, the comedy, Holy Matrimony. Oh. Anybody know anything about Holy Matrimony? I don't even remember it. Vaguely. Holy Ma Matrimony stars Patricia Arquette and nobody else. No, it's a comedy crime. It's Patricia Arquette, but it's directed by one of the best directors of our age, I don't care what you people say. Leonard Nimoy directed. And I've stars, never seen it. What happened? It stars a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. A young Hutterite boy must marry his late brother's wife who comes from outside the community. So basically this young boy who is, is a, of a religious sect, they believe that if your brother dies, you have to marry yeah. his wife. Well, the, He is basically 12, and he has to marry Patricia Arquette. That's the movie. I didn't know that that killed his career. I thought Funny About Love killed his directing career. I think maybe uh, they gave him one last chance. Hmm. But this was jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt's first starring role in a theatrically released film. 
Uh, as you can guess, it did not do well. Army uh, Mueller stole. What now? Have you even seen it, James? I I have I've seen bits of it because it, uh, for a while it was a cheap movie to get because it failed so badly. It only made seven hundred thirteen thousand dollars at the box office. Um, but I've seen clips of, of bits of it, but I never it, it never appealed to me. I was like, eh, it's not funny. I mean, it's a comedy, but it's not funny enough. Uh, it is followed by the second highest grossing film of the weekend is Leprechaun 2, which would go on to make over its entire run two million two hundred seventeen thousand, and probably still turn profit. But the number one movie is Threesome that weekend, which does go on to make $14 million. Uh, and that's the big three for that weekend. Uh, and then the next week we do have – do you have anything else, Chad? Nope, nope. Okay. I'm sorry. I messed this up. No, no, that's fine. You ruined it. Uh, but <laughs> we do get one Wednesday release that next week. And the Wednesday release goes on to make 7881000 And that is, of course, the epic film Serial Mom. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody want to talk about Serial well, Mom? Serial Mom. I love Serial Mom. That actually, it's not my favorite movie of his, but it may very well be his best. And he's your favorite said, Cecil B. Demented? Well, I like Cecil B. Demented quite a bit, even though it has Stephen Dorff simply because it's just a. To me, it's. I mean, a lot of people can use the sweet smell of success and some other films about that deal with the entertainment industry that are just wonderful. And by the way, it's no sweet smell of success, but. I think Cecil B. Demented, if you're if you're into movies, is hilarious. Yes. If you're not into movies and don't know the nomenclature, it's not as funny. What do you all think? Right. Agree. But yeah, I love but I love Serial Mom, especially the part with the uh, the fire the the fire poker. Um, I will admit that I watched it recently, uh, like within the last year. Uh, you can definitely tell that he was on a budget. <laughs> so. Yeah, he he actually said at the time though when it came out that it was his best movie. It is. That's that's one of those that. Uh, well, it's not his best oh, movie. Uh, what, let me. Re- uh, what is that? Payment that came out from that com- company that went under Savoy. I think that's one of those victims of Savoy. There's that was just like, FYI, you were we were talking about Orion. Orion's fascinating. George Romero got hung up with Orion for years and was unable to make a couple of movies simply because of their budget woes and being under contract. It's interesting. Sorry. Uh, so that was a Wednesday release. Here's the one movies that came out that Friday. The Which one word, that made, what, date, what date are we on for that Friday? We are on April 15th. Okay, got it. All right. Uh, April 15th, the movie that made the least this weekend and would go on to make only $2 million uh, theatrical uh, during its entire run is probably the best Stephen Dorff film related to the Beatles. <laughs> oh, that one, yeah. Backbeat. Backbeat stars Stephen Dorff Ian Hart, Gary Blakewell, and of course Chris O'Neill as George Harrison. Um, it's about the Beatles in Germany. Anybody want to say anything else about Backbeat? Nope. No. All right. Backbeat's the bottom. The next highest grossing movie, get ready for Chad to explode, Surviving the Game. Yep. I I'm like gl- Surviving the I Game. I like I Surviving the I Game. I do too. It's fun. That's My favorite part, part is him on the treadmill smoking. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's another movie that has a fan. That's a new line cinema picture with an fantastic ensemble. Yeah. Uh, James, do you want me to go through the ensemble? Go ahead, Chad. Rucker Hauer, Charles S. Dutton, yep. Gary Busey, F. Murray Green. Abraham, and John C. McGinley. And then Ice-T. 
It's directed by Ernest Dickerson, who also directed Demon Knight. Knight. And, w- and for a lot of you all who don't know any of that, he's directed a ton of The Walking Dead. Some of your favorite episodes of The Walking Dead were either directed by him or Greg Nicotero. So Ernest Dickerson, uh, a legend in his own right, I think he started out as a DP with Spike Lee. He was director of photography for Spike Lee. All right, gentlemen, I'm going I'm to put you on the spot since uh, these two movies are basically kind of the same plot. Surviving the game or hard target? Oh, surviving the game. Surviving the game. Yeah, surviving the game. game. Okay. I'm glad we're but all. I haven't seen streaming. it in a long time. It's not, it suffers from a budget too. I think Yeah. Uh, that movie probably needed to be opened up a little bit. I don't, I haven't seen a long, long time. Well, I, mean, you all- know, I tell you that Gary, that's maybe one of Gary's Busey's last good performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, better predator too <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually not being really a dick seriously those might be it because he he got he has a great monologue about the dog his dad buying him a bulldog and then making him kill it later to make him into a man does anybody remember this except me it is no. raisined into my head that I've i remember it 20 years later um that movie, by the way, during its entire run, run made seven million six hundred ninety thousand dollars. Why has wow. it not Which, been a successful, uh, the most dangerous game adaptation in the last? 20 since years. the first one, yeah. I, I don't honestly, think the closest is the Hunt, which I love the Hunt, uh, but I'd like to do another version of that. No, what? no, we all um, know the, we all know the best version of surviving the game is uh, the Pest. Anyway, see so next on the list, Joe. Is yeah. a movie nobody remembers, or I don't at least. If anybody w- wants to defend this one, jump in. White Fang 2, Myth of the White Wolf. Also I didn't even know weekend. they made a sequel, I don't think. 8,752,000. That beats surviving the run. game. My God. Hold on, let me make this worse. You know what was, what was the highest grossing that was released this weekend? Whoa. No. Cops and Robertsons. <laughs> oh, Jack Palance, Palance and Chevy and Chase. Chase. Yeah, there are some execs sitting in a fucking boardroom, high as a cot, going, who do we have that still owes us a picture? And put two of the biggest assholes in a movie together. I would Jack like Palance to be- an asshole? Oh, he was psychotic, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. mean, I know about Chevy, but I didn't know about Jack Palance. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories about Jack Palance being just insane. Especially uh, on Batman and City Slickers. Oh, really? On City they were they, were they got terrifi- him back on City Slickers. They were terrified. They almost went. Into, they were terrified of him during City Slickers. Well, yeah, that actually just- plays for the movie really well. Yeah, don't you think? Because yeah. they look terrified of him. He's they're supposed to be terrified of him. There's a he. He's in so many movies, by the way. Jack Palance is in so many movies that were part of Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. And every time Jack Palance popped up on screen, you knew it was going to be a good episode for them to riff. I need to listen to the stories about him on Batman then. Yeah. Um, by the way, just real quick, uh, do you know what the number one movie was this weekend? No. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh. Here's the actual story on that. It made $4 million this weekend, making it the number one with all those high-quality releases. Uh, it was the it was in its sixth weekend of limited release, and it still came, it was the first time it came in at number one. Six weeks into limited release, just wanted to share that. Still because, be surviving the game. How sad. And and cops and Robertsons, Joe. Uh, <laughs> so it made four million dollars though. Six weeks in limited release, and it finally it kept building and building and building. So there you that go. That one's rough. Go ahead. What's next? You got anything else, Chad? Um, uh, oh, 15? I'm just going to briefly mention 
one of these movies that I would love to see again that I can't find a copy of. It's been discontinued. Uh, the sequel to Circuitry Man 2 uh, came out. Cir- Circuitry Man 2 Plughead Rewired came out that weekend. Hmm. That's it. Move on. <laughs> um, okay. So the next weekend, we epically go in, and I'll do them in reverse order, the lowest incoming, which only made 1596000 over its entire theatrical run, is, of course, the uh, action comedy drama Chasers. Anybody want to talk about Chasers? Well, it's directed by Dennis Hopper. It's yep. us, Tom Berenger, and I don't remember the other guy. And William McNamara, Erica Elianak, Chris Erica Elianak and her chest. It has a good scene in it. It's you actually not a well. bad movie. I enjoyed it when it was, I don't, for some odd reason, Tom Berenger is doing a voice throughout it that makes no sense. Yeah. It uh, also has uh, Gary Busey in it, though. It's not a bad movie. It's not I enjoyed bad it when movie. it was uh, 25 years ago. I enjoyed it. I remember scenes specifically Erica Liniak. Yeah. Um, well, it, it only made sadly one million five hundred ninety. I think it's directed by Dennis Hopper. I'm almost positive. No, it is directed by you're you're correct. It's directed by Dennis Hopper. Um. So that's that's the bottom of our our barrel this week. The second, uh, making four million during its entire theatrical run, is the horror film Brain Scan. Anybody want to say anything about Brainscan? <laughs> Man, Edward scanners. Furlong. Edward Furlong. It's got a weird. Uh, it's uh, it's an unnatural twist ending. Yeah, it's where things John are, Flynn. Where things aren't as bad actually as they seem. The twist endings are usually worse, and that's a twist. Do you remember this, Chad? Do you remember the twist ending? I, for the life of me, can't. That it's not. It's actually in his head or something like. It really doesn't exist. It's it's not as bad as they seem. The baddest uh. things seem. But that's Edward Furlong, right? That's when they were. Yeah, no, it's Edward Furlong. He, yeah, he was riding that T two fame for a while. It's a dark movie, but yeah, I don't. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like Brain Scan when I was a kid. It's one of those movies that I just found uh, on a VHS shelf somewhere in, at a rental store, and I'm like, oh, what is this? And went home and was very entertained. I just remember the kind of the ending, and of course the poster and the character. All right, what's next, dude? Uh, the the I'm well, I was just letting y'all finish. Don't uh, the, wait for the translation. <laughs> The comedy, which sounds like more of a drama to me, but The Inkwell is third this weekend. It made $8,864,000 over its entire run. Anybody want to say anything about The Inkwell? I've never seen it. Nope. Uh, general plot line is a shy, troubled young man who set his own house on fire and has an imaginary friend is sent to a vineyard where he finds himself in the middle of his political arguing party-loving family. Sounds fun. Yeah. Good time for all. Uh, the number one film, though, making $15,187,000 during its entire run is, of course, Bad Girls. Oh, the all-girl western. Yep. uh, Interesting trivia about this, though, because Andy McDowell is famous for a weird reason because of Bad Girls. Here's why. Four Weddings and a Funeral finally made it to number one. Bad Girls comes in and knocks it out. Andy McDowell became the first actress in cinema history to star in back-to-back number one films that were different one week after the other. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't Useless know that trivia. And it's only because the week before <laughs> such bad films that Four Weddings and a Funeral hit number one. But she did have both films hit at number one. Mm-hmm. Anybody else want to say anything else about Bad Girls as a Western? No, I I, I don't remember anything fairly redeemable about it, but I'm sure uh, there's some people yeah. that love it. 
All right, you got anything, Jed? Uh, so uh, that week also released was The Unborn 2 on April 20th. And then April 21st, a movie that I'm particularly fond of that is very dark, Swimming with Sharks. Oh, Swimming with Sharks is good. But that's another one where the third act is dark as hell. Yeah. Whereas the first two acts are kind of, oh, he's horrible to him. Yeah, and then, and then the third, and the, it's one of those third acts that you just just don't yeah. see coming. I, th- I think it's a great film, especially the the, the interactions between Kevin Spacey and Frank Whaley. It, yeah, it's a good movie. It's probably uneven. I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah, it's I enjoyed it quite a bit when I saw it. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Swimming with Sharks, check it out. Yep, James, right. what do you got for next week? And uh, if you're if this one is not on your list, the one that I'm going, another one I'm going to go excited about. I'm still sitting here thinking, you're unborn too? Sorry. <laughs> uh, the next week, we get one Wednesday release. It's actually a concert performance film. It is, of course, Martin Lawrence's You So Crazy. And he was. He really was. He was. Uh, concert April, films. April 29th is a loaded weekend. We get five films. Uh, I'll start with the lowest. The Favor made three million dollars uh the next one is notorious for not making money but people knowing it because it played so much on comedy central pcu made four million three hundred thirty three thousand. <laughs> pcu um, has a ton of people that would go on to do stuff yeah uh the next john one, favreau maybe being the number one out of that chad Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. John Favreau has to get credit for that one. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. just is no, he, no. Yeah, he's is he the most. Yeah, he, I, I he's, can't he's remember the, the cast. I just remember John Favreau. Uh, John Favreau, Jeremy Pivens, yeah. uh, David Spade. It does have that joke I always did. I've played it on chat before. What you're going to wear the, your t-shirt to the concerts you're going to go to see? T-shirt of the band you're going to go see? Don't be. Yeah. That. Oh, you're going to be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that. Yeah, guy. Um, the. Uh, Oh, I'm blanking. I'm blanking on the actor's name. He was in Becker. He's in one of my favorite bands, Hepcat. He was, but yeah. And George no, Clinton in the Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. We've talked about PCU in our fake colleges. Yeah. So, so um, the next film went on to make 17213000 No Escape with Ray Liotta. <laughs> I love No Escape, man. Directed love by it? Martin, Directed Martin by Campbell. Martin I haven't seen it in years. I loved it. It suffers kid. from its budget. It, and honestly, it, that's another one with a really good cast. It has Kevin J. O'Connor, who plays one of my favorite, who's actually a fantastic character actor. He's in uh, There Must Be, uh, There Will Be Blood. He's the fake brother yeah, uh, yeah. for some of those people. He's just a fantastic character. It doesn't get enough work, but he's in a lot of Stephen Sommers films. But Yeah. And yeah, this was, I didn't realize, James, when I, uh, when I looked it up, that it was directed by Martin Campbell. I was shocked that it was. I didn't remember that being directed by Martin Campbell, guys. So that's but, yeah. uh, on me. And it's Ray Liotta, Lance Henriksen, Ernie Hudson, and Stuart Wilson. Man, that move that movie was packed. Yeah, with, that, it, with talent. It. Uh, I think that one suffers from its budget. And and I like Ray Liotta, but that Ray Liotta is not a lead man. Not for that kind of movie. And Ray Liotta is not an action star. No. No. Uh, it, like I said made seventeen million two hundred thirteen over its entire run. It was, uh, but also came out this weekend. I'm a bum, but I'm a Harvard bum. I was going to say, I almost said with honors right before you said the other one, because I was thinking to myself, is he going to say with honors? I didn't Google it. It's just in my head. Am I the only one who loves with honors? I don't love it, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. 
I have. Uh, I mean, it's it's not on the shelf, but I enjoyed it when I saw it. It's heart wrenching for me. It's one of those, it's one of those movies that actually made me cry. I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah, you the, lost me. Is it when the chicken gets it? No, it's the the whole end where they're reading to him. I'm sticking with when he cooks the roommate's chicken. That's what got yes. you. What are you laughing about, James? I, just, I was like, why, Joe? Out of all the scenes in that film, you went with the chicken? Because the chicken. that was, to me, funny. Um, <laughs> if I he, said that he dies of having influenza cancer or whatever it is he's got. It's I mean, cancer asbestos. from the asbestos. Yeah, I can't, that's not funny. But no, if I but, talk about him eating the chicken's roommate or the roommate's chicken, whichever. Brendan Fraser reading the letter at the end tears me up i probably would cry to this day if i saw that i'm not i'm not afraid to admit that, that I cry. but you know the real sad part is he actually brendan fraser's character did not get with honors nope way to spoil the movie um ass <laughs> the movie that went on to make the most out of all these though uh, for this weekend is i want to belt it out but i won't when a man loves a woman when a man went on to make is that andy garcia and meg ryan uh, she's a drunk yes i've never seen it she falls through a shower that's all i remember (laughs) i've never seen it by the way though do you know what the number one movie this weekend was no no it actually kind of shocked me because when i saw the weekly and the total theatrical i thought oh it had to be when a man loves a woman no the number one movie was no escape oh okay it came out and then it went down (laughs) once again we were talking about savoy earlier i think that's one of those savoy pictures and later if we talked about a little later in the 90s there was a company called the bubble company you were talking about um the bubble factory you're talking about mikhail's navy earlier i think that's one of them uh the flipper remake google it there's like these huge and then they die i I remember the i remember the opening of all the bubbles bubbles yeah 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 all right, hey James. What's on the next week, buddy? Um, well, there's. I've there's got a one, few mentions on. I got a few mentions on this next week. With one movie that gets a limited release, it comes out on a Wednesday, but it goes on to make seven million during its entire theatrical run. And I don't know too much about the film, but I want to bring it up because I personally identify with it. Widow's Peak. Uh, it, it it stars. Uh, it's directed by John Irvin. Uh, stars John, Joan Plowright, Mia Farrow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, um, I remember it. May sixth, the uh, we're circling back to something we've talked about before. The movie that does get released that actually made so little it doesn't have a number recorded is, of course, the best Yahoo serious film, Reckless Kelly. Oh yeah, still can't believe you stole that one from me, you jerk. Oh, I'm sorry, Buttercup. Uh, Being Human <laughs> is the second one. It went, made 1461000 over its entire theatrical run. It is joined, however, by Clean Slate. <laughs> oh, man. I had uh, such high hopes for that movie. I still, I still find parts of it that I enjoy. I don't remember Clean Slate. I remember the other one better, the one where he's in business and he's a, with Robert Loja, Career Opportunities or something like that. No. Nope. Um, yeah, we're uh, talking about uh, uh, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, yeah, the other. Yeah, one. yeah I, I don't remember that one. Do you know what the I number? Uh, this wasn't the number one movie at the weekend, but it was the number one movie that came out this weekend through all of its run. Uh, Three Ninjas Kicked Back. Oh, if you God. love Three Ninjas, you have to see the sequel. Now that being said, because those were the films that were released, 
And because no escape starts to underperform, with honors comes back and it's number one this weekend. Mm. Oh. With honors did get the number one at the box office. Good. He finally so, got his honors. So um, three movies that got released that week that didn't make the list. Uh, one of my favorite uh, B movies, Shrunken Heads from okay. Full Moon, mm-hmm. uh, directed Richard by Richard Elfman. Captives uh, was released on May 3rd, starring Julie Ormond and Tim Roth, about a dentist who, a dentist who works in a prison who falls in love with a convict. And then uh, May 6th, gentlemen, Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead. Lord of the, straight to the tape. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, we ready for the next week? Let's move on. For our Jimmy. Phantasm fans, real quick, that's the one that actually brought back Michael What's-His-Face to play Mike or whatever uh, because they wouldn't let him play, wouldn't let him do that in Phantasm 2. So, so Michael What's-His-Face came back to star him. as Michael whatever. <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't What's know. A stretch? I'm not a huge Mantasm. Mantasm. I am a huge, <laughs> oh, my God. I am a he loves Mantasm. I love Mangasms. <laughs> <laughs> Can we write the movie Mangasm? Right, Mangasm. You, that's seeing a circle I, bonehead as of today. Yeah, I'm quitting bonehead and writing Mangasm. <laughs> I'm pretty never, sure it exists. Joe would never exist. Joe never experienced it for himself. No, Joe <laughs> never thought, existed either. He thought he could create a believable Mangasm. He, he was constantly in pursuit of the elusive of the Mangasm. mangasm. Uh, this oh, movie, Mangasms. We get one Wednesday release, but it does go on to be the number one movie of the week. The Crow is released on a Wednesday. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that, that picture. You ever see that picture? Yes. Yeah, it's a good picture, gentlemen. That's. Really I wish I could picture. get Alex Proyas to do our show. Uh, I would love. Actually, I'd love that for several reasons. But yeah. um, it doesn't have much competition. I'll be honest. I mean, a lot of people went to see it because of curiosity. And I think and a lot of, I think most like, studios knew that that was going to come out because it had already yeah. happened. If you don't, our audience knows Brandon Lee died making that movie. And there was a lot of build up to that release. And just the audience was going to go to that movie regardless. It's a great yeah. film. There's but, no denying it. You're leaving some stuff out. I mean, that movie, Dimension released that film, or the uh, Merrimax released that film. That was not made by Merrimax. They picked that up. That was made by Paramount. Oh, I didn't know that. God, I didn't know that, Joe. Yes, that was made by Paramount. And I'm pretty sure they took the insurance money and ran. Hmm. And then made a deal. And it's uh, it's another reason why I'd love to have David Show, David Shaw on our show. Uh, David Shaw on our show. He wrote it. And it's written by Alex Prost. David has, has said he'd do our show two years ago. He's a good friend to Mick. So if you're listening, David, I know you tune into Bonehead all the time. He doesn't. The, by, by the way, though, uh, it's based on the comic by J.O. Barr. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you've never read the comic, the comic actually, there's some beautiful scenes in it that obviously couldn't be put into the film. There's a great scene where he's being ferried to the other side on a train. And death is coming to take his ticket. And it's very graphically, beautifully done. And there's a stallion running beside the car. There's a, a horse running beside yeah. the train. And he and basically, he sees it get tangled in barbed wire. And it's basically supposed to be a metaphor for his life. But he, anyway, it's, it's cool. It's a cool scene that obviously wouldn't work in a film, at least with the budget they had. Right. Um, but, but the films that come out against it that Friday, are uh i'm sure one of you will want to talk about the film a million to one <laughs> directed directed and starring paul rodriguez man paul rodriguez 
was at the height of his stardom in the in early 90s. He had a lot of great comedy specials. People have seemed to just kind of forgotten about Paul Rodriguez, and I don't yeah. know why. It made $381,000 during his entire It's not a good film. Run. It's not um, a good film. I saw it. But it's he got good. a million. Two yeah. on. Uh, and then the other one that opened that did a little bit better on May 13th uh, than a million to one, but did not beat the crow is Kirkland. Uh, Spike Lee's Kirkland. Oh, Spike Lee's Kirkland, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it, actually. Neither have I. Uh, I do want to briefly mention May 12th. Uh, in terms of the cheesy action genre that was the 90s of straight to, well, limited release, then straight to VHS. This was written by John Sayles, which I did not realize. Men of War, starring Dolph Lundgren and B.D. Wong. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was the BD. It's not nothing against him, but just well, John Sales. For any of you all who BD Wong is of, a great character actor, by the way. I don't know what you're what you're hating on BD Wong for. I just Dolph Lundgren and BD Wong. Oh, that yeah, that that I get. But uh, Dolph, any shit, forget it. John Sales made a living. His money did not come from his movies. His money came from script writing. He is yeah. ghost script writing on a ton of things that you have seen. Cool. James, next week. Um, so, uh, uh, I said, The Crow ends up being number one. Next week, there's one Wednesday release. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, which <laughs> goes on to make 1650000 Uma's got the big thumbs. God, that movie. I don't understand it. And then, the movie that comes out on Friday will knock The Crow out and become number one at the box office. And that's because any time you can get uh, Rockford and Mad Max together. You're going to have an entertaining film. Maverick comes out. Uh, Maverick. And makes $183 million over its entire box office run. But it is number one that weekend, bringing in, just on that weekend, $17,248,000. directed by the legendary Richard Donner. And I'm, I'm not going to hate on it. I enjoyed the hell out of Maverick. I haven't seen it in a long time. Maverick... If you're a fan of, if you like us, have been bombarded with your parents of watching 50s, 60s, and 70s westerns, there is a ton of those stars in that movie that all make cameos. Yeah. Just so you know, I actually, I actually can't say anything bad about Maverick. Who can? Um, Maverick's entertaining. I like Maverick. And, and Maverick's written by William Goldman, I think, right? Uh, I'd have to look that up. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's one of the William Goldman screenplays. It has one of the greatest lines, too, when it opens up. It's just been a – I'm doing a disservice, but it's just been a shit week all whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And Alfred Molina as, as – It is as, William as, Goldman, by the way. Yeah, yeah I thought Goldman. it was written by William Goldman. The reason I remember it is because he took the task that they added a sex scene. He was never in the screenplay, and it pissed him off. So, uh, James, is that cover, does that end your week? Um. Uh. Yeah, uh, hold on. Let me make sure. Yes, yes, because okay. next weekend there'll be next Wednesday after this. So they try to release three films on a Wednesday. It does not go well. So no. we need to talk about uh, this week because there's this is actually an important week in in cinema, and it wouldn't have been on James's list. Uh, but real quick, I do want to mention that Desert Steel was released on May 18th as a shitty car racing movie. Um, May 19th, Little Odessa. Uh, which, which was one of the first films directed by James Gray, uh, Lost City of Z, Ed Astra. Um, it starred Tim Roth, Edward Furlong, and Moira Kelly. That's all I'll talk about. But also this week on May 20th, um, 
the cano- the the significance in Hollywood of this I movie that, say the cannoli. Um, <laughs> no, the cannoli was filled with deliciousness. No, but the impact um, this movie had um, and the significance of it is 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 historical. We have to talk about it. On May twentieth, Aladdin two: Return of Jafar was released on VHS. It was Disney's first direct to VHS release. It yep. cost, depending on the numbers you read, um, I got two different numbers. Uh, it only it cost five million to make. VHS wise, it ran uh, total. It made three hundred million dollars. Real quick, do you want me to jump and in that about not, that? It's that funny. Is not Robin watched. Williams, right? That is. It did not have Robin Williams. It had for that. Dan Castanella. Yeah. yeah. So not to change the subject. Well, it's not change the subject. Just add a little bit to the chat if you would. There's a. I'm going to give a shout out to another YouTube channel. It's called Yesterworld. And Yesterworld does a lot of Disney history, specifically about the parks. But mm-hmm. Yesterworld did a exhaustive 30 minutes on Disney's home video and these sequels and how some of them are, depending on which animation or a company, there was three or four of them and which one that came out. And it started with this and it's fascinating about how, you know, because they made a sequel to Cinderella. Let's just, yeah. let's just throw that out there. I made two. It's There's not considered a good. There's only one or two of those that are considered decent. I think one of them is the Tinkerbell movie, and then something else I can't remember. But yeah, and some uh, of the Beauty and the Beast ones are god awful. Supposedly the animation's awful. Yes, but it, they it, cashed it, it, in at the box office for about seven or eight or box office for home video for seven yeah. or eight years there. Return of Jafar in the first two days of its release sold 1.5 million copies, guys. Um, now the significance of this, not only is it that studios can make movies, uh, money off movies that get released just to VHS. They don't have to go to the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, those independent companies that relied on VHS dollars, uh-huh. um, had to actually up their game. Uh, they realized that now they're going to have a, they're going to have a competing market with all these big studios who are going to release movies straight to VHS. And they had to put a lot more money into their, their, their products and in some cases, it, it doomed a lot of them because they just yeah. couldn't keep up with the, the quality that the, that the big, big studios was dealing with. So Return to Jafar, we have to talk about because it may yeah. not have had a box office release, but man, in terms of, of what it did to Hollywood and our viewing as, as for, from that point on changed drastically. I highly recommend Yesterworld. Yesterworld, check them out on YouTube and watch their video about Disney Home Video. They... they they do a fantastic job with this. All right, James, let's go on to the next week because we're going to wrap up and we're going to, uh, as we get to June 1st, we're going to wrap up and do part two of the, the second half of 1994. Yep. May 25th, that Wednesday, three films come out. The lowest earning is a film called Federal Hill. Anybody know anything about nope. Federal Hill? No. I'd be shocked if you did. I only made $175,000 during its entire theatrical run. However, the next highest was Little Buddha, which made $7,793,000 during its entire run. The final Wednesday release that got gobbled up by another film that gets released on Friday is Beverly Hills Cop 3. <laughs> John Landis. Made $119 million. I didn't realize they made that much money. And that was considered not a, a, a successful film. No, it, no. and it's dreadful. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I haven't seen it in a long time. I doubt that it improved. But 
you want to know the movie on Friday that came out Friday and absolutely smashed it and actually made some pretty serious records? What? Meet the Flintstones. Have a yabba dabba do time. I just for you time. You'll have. Do you know how big the Flintstones were coming out May 29th, which would have been Memorial Day weekend? I saw I it in the theater. I, I did was too. There. I did too. I was there, yeah. That is what I actually saw. So I guess I, I saw Lightning Jack and the Flintstones in the Oh, theater. look at you. Was, Mr. Moneybags got to go to the movie. I got to see two. I, I did get to see five two months. Um, that being said, here's how big it was when you put it in perspective the Flintstones broke Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade's record for a Memorial Day weekend. Oh, man, really? And on top of that, it broke the Fugitive's record for the highest weekend debut at the time for any movie based on a television show. It made $30 million its opening weekend and would go on to make $358 million. Almost $359, actually. So uh, we, we now, most people don't talk about the Flintstones live action with Rick Moranis, John Goodman, speaking of yeah, pretty phenomenal, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, yeah. People don't talk about it, but it was a huge, huge hit at the time. Yeah. Matter of fact, actually, oddly enough, it changed the way computer animation worked because they were obsessed with getting the, the fur on the cat right. And so Dino was a relatively easy, you know, it's a lizard-like computer animation. It wasn't an issue. But when they had to do the cat for, you know, Fred to kick out at night, they wanted it to actually look like fur. And at the time, I guess, most of the computer animation that was going on was smooth. And so they actually went back and doubled the budget on just animating that stupid cat, Hmm. which is not even a major plot part of the plot. But they we're obsessed with getting it right. I read an entire, speaking of exhaustive reviews, I read an entire exhaustive interview once with the guy whose job that was. And he said, we had to show fur. It couldn't look smooth. It had to look like fur. So interject plug. We had the production design, production designer, William Sendell, Bill Seldell. He talked about the movie, had very fond memories. Check out that episode with William Sendell. All right. I had to throw that out there, but if you're a big fan, I gentlemen, when was the last time you saw? I saw it when it came out, and maybe a little bit after that, but I doubt that that I've seen that movie in twenty, uh, twenty five, twenty six years ago. I haven't seen it since then. I showed it to my daughters a couple of years ago, and uh, they liked it. Uh, for me, it doesn't hold the. Does the production still look good? And just the product. Oh no, no. So production quality and everything still looks amazing. William Sandell still. Uh, me and William, me and William Sandell talked about that um, during our episode. Uh, but the movie itself, there are there are parts that just just don't hold up. So the movie looks good. The movie looks bad. amazing. It's just the plot. I don't think I've ever seen the sequel. Viva! La- I have it. Stephen Baldwin? No, I've never seen it. Do you know uh, the, it's directed by uh, oh uh, Brian Levant, right? Yeah. And just FYI, if you don't know Brian Levant, he actually directed a bunch of TV series uh, works. Um, but uh, just relevant to you people that like this, he's also going to be one of the producers for the new Police Academy film. So <laughs> that's good for you people, I guess. He's also currently online to direct the new police Academy film Uh, for those interested. 
some of his more recent directing works include A Christmas Story 2, um, Scooby-Doo, Curse of the Lake Monster, uh, Scooby-Doo, The Mystery Begins, uh, The is Flintstones that, and Viva La, Rock Vegas. Is that animation? Those are animated movies he directed? Um, Scooby-Doo, The Mystery Begins is a TV movie, but it's actually done with puppets, I believe. We own it. Oh. My, my kids have it. Uh, it um, but he, he also directed the Beto, Beethoven and Problem Child 2. Yeah. So just FYI. I mean, he's, he's directed some interesting things. Um, but, oh, uh, no, actually, I should say uh, Scooby-Doo, The Mystery Begins is live action. It just stars none of the people you, you remember. Okay. So, but anyway, I just want to point out, it was a huge hit. Uh, we do get one Saturday release which made no money called The Last Spring. I don't know anything about that one. But that is all of May from what I've got. Chad, you it really anything? came I, out during the summer, so... Two movies I want to talk about. Uh, we're, going to end on a, we're going to end on a note, especially if he actually made it all the way through this. Uh, May 25th, uh, we have Free Fall starring the powerhouse duo of Eric Roberts and Jeff Fahey. Two actors I love, but have been in more turkeys than Stuffing. Yeah, can't argue that. Um, and then May 31st, guys, this was supposed to be the release date of this movie. Uh, the Fantastic Four, directed by Ole Sassoon and production designed by our friend Mixed. and lover, Mixtron. <laughs> <laughs> and check out that episode with Ole Sassoon and Mixtron talking about the Fantastic Four. In the Bonehead Archives. Exclusive on Bonehead. So we actually end our part one on 1994 with a movie that actually was supposed to be released and didn't. So there we go. So we But if be... you can find the original theatrical poster they sent out, you got some money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you all so much. Next week, we will finish out 1994. I don't have any other way to end this, but just guys talking to you all. The well, audience. You know, not well the I mean, we... we, we the show. We, 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 we have, uh, uh, I mean, there's some big things coming up. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't got to the really, before. we didn't, we didn't get, we didn't get to the meat of 1994. The no. stuff that really wrecked we, everything. Yeah. Oh we, yeah. I can't we, wait to talk about what happened at the first part of June, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Spoilers alert. Baby's day out's going to come up later. <laughs> this has been bonehead. Grrrr. <sighs>